in five, four, three, two, one. Obi Trice, real name, no gimmicks. Who are you? He had a voice that could make a Wolverine purr. That's what I'm talking about, man. Wait a minute, I know you. Check out the name tag. You're in my world now, Grandma. I know that, dude. He's a modern-day Yoda. I'm your huckleberry. Allow myself to introduce myself. Greetings and salutations. We came, we saw, we kicked its ass. You're excited. Feel these nipples. That boy's good. Mm-hmm. Good and terrible. Well, I have a microphone, and you don't. So you will listen to every damn word I have to say! This is the Mike Rutherford Show on the Big X. Sportos, motorheads, geek bloods, wasteoids, dweebies, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. Right. There it is. <laughs> Mike came on just in time there. You you're a little almost went a little premature on me there. You, <laughs> you, 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 you paused for like four or five seconds before you say all right. Well, I waited longer because I didn't have my headphones down. I was trying okay. to get the tweet up. So it was I, I thought it, my mic was just on. I assumed it was. It was not. But all right. We're here. We're ready to go. It's all the right. Mike Rutherford Show. It's Wednesday, April 27th. We're here until 6 o'clock. Trevor Kelsey with me as always behind the glass. What are you rocking today? What's, what's that shirt? Dolly. Oh, okay. I couldn't Probably see. Over it. Nice, love it. I don't yeah. think I've seen you wear that before. Oh, I haven't worn it. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm just this so used to the hockey shirts. shirts. I, I wore this. I think uh, one of my favorite times wearing this was uh, when I wore it when I went to the uh, NFC title game, and I was, uh, people were stopping me and were like, "That's a cool shirt." Like, no, yeah, nice. I know it is. Yeah, I'm a cool person. Suck it. Yeah. How was the uh, How was the birthday? We celebrated your birthday yesterday on the show. If you missed it, my God, you missed quite the celebration what a hell of a party how was the evening i can only assume the festivities were raging that it was gatsby-esque at well, kelsey manor last night i don't i don't know who this gatsby guy is but uh <laughs> if you have not yet watched the party scene from bachelor party then you don't know what happened last night donkey uh no donkey no oh. donkey no it was a uh, more of a pony but that's okay um now it was pretty pretty quiet quick pretty quiet birthday got uh went and did some salsaritas for, for the birthday dinner, got nice. pulled pork nachos and some steak soft tacos. Nice. Uh, now, when you text me that that was what you were eating last night, which this is what we do. We Trevor and I text each other what we're eating for dinner, apparently, these days. I thought that... We're like a high school couple <laughs> over here. <laughs> the, we can't... Yeah, it's like, can't go more than two hours without connecting. You hang up. No, the, you hang up. Did you used to do that? I used to absolutely do that. I had one relationship where I did Oh, I did yeah. it before. It was, it was yeah. terrible. The implication from your text, though, to me, was that you were making these. I, I thought they were made for you or you were making them yourself. But apparently that was I. I don't know why I thought that. But when you Hi. didn't say a specific Hi. restaurant. I'm Trevor Kelsey. <laughs> Have we ever met? I, I know. I was surprised. I was like, ooh, that sounds fantastic. What What a... What am I? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking. I can barely pour cereal. <laughs> I've had some. I don't know. And I was telling you this before we came on air. I don't know if it's the lack of sleep. I slept like three hours last night. It was miserable. What? Did not finish the Batman. Rough not. You know, I almost watched Batman last night just to. Just to beat me? Just to be like, hey, did you finish it? I did. But instead, <sighs> fate intervened on me. Okay. I'm flipping through the channels about 12 o'clock. 
Naturally. You're probably trying to get one of your kids to sleep. Virginia was, yeah. And awful night. Come across the guide on Stars Westerns. And what do I see? The very, what's starting right up again? Lonesome Dove. Oh, you rewatched it already. So I ended up watching like two more parts of it again. Once you start, week. you can't stop. Once what? you like, I, it's one of those where I, when I, if I start watching it, it doesn't matter if it's like the middle of part two, middle of part three, like I'm locked in for at least an hour. It was, it was right when uh, Jake had started stray. Yeah. And it's so You die with an outlaw. You die with an outlaw. Yeah, it was very sad. Actually, uh, I used that line when Petrino banned me and Keith Wynn <laughs> or blocked me and Keith Wynn on Twitter because of something that Keith wrote. That is my, my account auto tweets any story that gets written. And so Keith wrote a story that was critical of Petrino for the defense and, and saying, blocked him. And so he blocked both of us. And so I just said, like, Keith was like, Oh, I got blocked. And I checked, I was like, Oh my God, I got blocked too. And I was like, You ride with an outlaw. You, you die, die with an outlaw. Right. Uh, for those who haven't seen Lonesome Dove, it's going to keep you on your toes because it is like George R. R. Martin wrote it. Like you have no, there people die. You have no idea who's going to go. Like don't don't just go. Oh, that's a big guy name. He no. Nope. Always keep in mind anyone can die uh, at any time. Says Lance Archer, former current AEW wrestler. And so I, I watched that. And I only had two parts on there. I did notice tonight though on Stars Western around. I think it starts at eleven is the return to Lonesome Dove. Yeah. Now, you have said to me I'm not a big fan that of you're not either. a fan. I noticed John Voight is now playing the Tommy Lee Jones character. It's not, yeah, it's bad. It's and bad. Yeah, that doesn't... Nothing against John Voight. I'd maybe buy his car if I had to. But don't know if I want to see him... Even John Voight, I mean... He looks like Omar Epps, but he couldn't be no Willie Mays Hayes either. I'm with you. I mean, uh, wh- where I was going before we got sidetracked again. <laughs> the rabbit hole of yeah. TV. I don't know if it's the, the lack of sleep or if it's the – it's probably – it's got to be the air outside. I keep having these weird, like, spells of lightheadedness that just kind of scare me. Okay. So, yeah, I, I, be prepared if I just, like, start, like, just pass out in the middle of this because it's, it's warm in here. Um, it's not because your take is just – throwing me to the ground it's probably something else maybe it is the take who the hell knows i'm going for both actually but uh God, yeah but so the birthday night back to the, the topic at hand was you, was solid it was good uh, i still don't know how you thought i actually cooked something i know i know <laughs> it must have been one of i thought light, it was a special occasion lightheaded spells there you were having at the time that's what i'm saying i'm not myself i'm not uh, thinking straight so but it, yeah i it, it got some good food in me got enough nachos that i had some still left over for that middle of midnight snack, which was always a nice plus. Played a little Madden. Watched some uh, reruns of uh, SVU and Friends in between. You know, I'm, I'm getting ready for our law a law trivia contest. Nice. Where you know you take your one year of law school versus my 25, 22 years of SVU watching. See law who, off. Law off, and we'll see who knows more. Uh, and that, that's pretty much it. That was that was your basic night in the uh, in the Kelsey household. I'd like to know, like, what... <laughs> a few things in between. We'll now I'm curious, later. like, what your answers for a lot of these law questions would be based on... Because uh, I've never watched SVU. I've watched a few Law & Orders back in the day. But I don't know, like, what you would get right and what you would get wrong. Because I don't know how dramatized these shows are and how much of it is... I assume very little of it is, is accurate. Well, I can tell you one thing from being on doing a jury that lawyers don't get up and, and like, just, like, uh, you know... Yell like uh, no, or what, what's the word I'm like? Uh, what's the word I'm like? Objection, for? objection, or sustain. I'm feeling I'm feeling more confident about <laughs> <laughs> about this law battle. That was the first thing that of all the things that disappointed me about jury duty was that that didn't happen. Like you would just when they wanted something, the the, the lawyer would just kind of get them, like raise their hand like they're in a, objection. Yeah, and would say something. You say quietly, objection, and then they would walk up to the, the judge and they would turn. She would turn her mic off, and then you'd see her like you know. Well, sometimes, not all the time. Like you didn't get to hear the actual argument of you know, 
sustained and, and all that stuff. Well, that happens. I mean, I've sat in on, on enough trials to know that it, it, it can't happen. I, yeah. Back in the day, I used I missed to. It. Yeah. Now, you have here's a quick law quiz. Okay, I'm ready. You've mentioned you were on jury duty. I did. You've watched Capital Crime, by the way. Jury. Do you know what voir dire is? Voir dire. Voir dire? Yeah. Um, I believe. I can already tell by the you're trying to think of something funny to respond. You no, don't, you no, don't know no, the no, answer. I, I know, it sounds familiar, but I may may be confusing with some. Can you give me a hint or a clue or a lean? It has to do with juries. Um, does it mean that the jury is tainted? No. Um, it's it, it's the process where attorneys will like ask jurors questions to select which ones they actually want to have oh, okay. on the jury. They didn't ask me when we did that. I wasn't asked specifically any questions. It was just a roundabout question of, uh, you know, would you have biased if this crime involved a child? Which it did. Yeah, that's four dear. Okay. Those are the questions. Like, usually you have to fill out like a number of questions and they'll try to weed out. Like basically they're trying to get rid of anybody that they think is going to be detrimental to their case. Yeah. I remember in this scenario, someone not coupled down for me, this woman raised her hand and this was like, and it was a man. He raised his hand and said, yes, anyone in terms of child should always burn in hell. And I was like, that dude ain't going to be on the trial. He did, he did the I, right thing. Something tells me I think he ain't going to be on this jury with me. And someone, because I know we have some attorneys that listen to the show, and even probably some people who aren't attorneys that know way more about the law than I, than I learned in my one year. I believe voir dire is French for, like, speak the truth. Okay. I remember learning that when I was before I went to law school. But that's the, the limit. That's all well, I that's got for you. That's a jury selection question. That's not actually like, you know, I, I, this is what you learn in law school. This is, this is law. No, this is life. I mean, See, the, the actual learning of law is very, very boring. It's not, it's, it's not just oh, how a, to scream objection or when to approach the bench. Being a jury is boring. The whole thing is boring. And I tell you one thing that really upset, almost upset me. It didn't, but there was 14 of us, you know, in the jury box. And, I knew that, you know, obviously I know the jury has 12 people. I assumed the two were just kind of like alternates or whatever. And I, I just kind of in my mind assumed that number 13 and 14 were said alternates. Uh-huh. Uh, but, you know, would be staying on to the whole thing just in case, you know, if one point, you know, I or someone else had to drop late, they could just move right in. I didn't realize that at the end of the trial, they just drew numbers. And if you're one of two numbers drawn, you're not going into the jury room. Boom, you're the alternate. And you're, oh my God. And I'm sitting there going, I've never my like I don't want my number like if I had yeah to you don't want if you're gonna be there anyway you want to be on the on the journey yeah like I was ready to get really upset if my number had time mean, I probably would have just dropped like like ah oh, bleep yeah. I probably would have done that like in the middle of the courtroom if that happened it didn't uh, the two people that got dropped actually were the two that were like the most buddy buddy on the on the jury these two guys that like were big both Minnesota Viking fans and they would they constantly were just like hanging out like every break we had and every lunch I'd see them hanging out like they were good. I, I think they just met each other in the trial but became buddy buddy well great story I felt bad for them a little bit though. like we're like I'm like sorry <laughs> you know it's so fun in there guys it's yeah. so fun we weren't in there long I think we had uh, we were in the, the jury room for maybe about four hours maybe five got a free lunch out of it oh boy it was all down to one person it was one one older woman was like kind of the the last two and a half hours of us still being in there. I like that a simple question about how your birthday night went transitioned into a story about one lonesome dove and then the return to lonesome dove and then two, your experience on a jury. <laughs> That's where we are 10 minutes into the show. Now, here's the trivia question. Okay. The uh, <laughs> how did we get to this? What started the, 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 the roll down? It was that question. <laughs> and then me quickly saying that I didn't finish the Batman and then you jumping in. <laughs> 
to, to, to lead to a five-minute uh, off-track road. What was the question? That's fine. Uh, we've, we've, we've got a little stuff to talk about. The uh, third yeah. assistant mystery is over, Trevor Kelsey. i got to get I'm, I'm behind. You're behind on, on yeah, this. I had to do some work uh, today for our remotes coming up, and I, I saw the headline, but I haven't got to read about him yet. So teach me. We are Speaking of, quickly, we are on the road for the first time coming up here Friday and Monday. Correct. We are Friday. We're at Oxmoor Ford. Yes, right next to Oxmoor Mall. If you want to, and I get this question a lot, if you want to see what Trevor Kelsey looks like in real life, how he interacts, whether or not he's the same person that you think you are seeing in your mind when you listen to him on the radio, this is your first opportunity to make that happen while we're on the air. So Oxmoor Ford on Friday, and then Blind Squirrel on Monday, kicking off Derby Week. Should be fun. I'm excited about it. You say there's going to be like a kind of an interactive thing going on on Monday. This sounds like it could be a recipe for chaos. It's yes, live texting, text, texters coming in on, on the air. Texters coming in and asking questions in person. This could be uh, could be fun. Could be fun. Could be interesting. Following us, we'll have uh, my man EJ Clark as well with the with the Derby breakdown coming up right after us at Blind Squirrel. So if you're a big horse racing guy, he's going to be out there with some some people from the horse racing world and, and talking about the Derby, getting the Derby ready for the. That Monday, so that'll be right after us as well, Blind Squirrel. Nice. I like it. Kentucky Winter Circle. A, a tradition in this area like no other. My my grandmother my grandfather and my uncle used to listen to E. J. Clark back in the day. Very cool. That's how long it's man he's been out there. No one knows him better than he does. Uh real quickly before we get to the assistant news, uh, Gigi Jackson, who is the according to on three, he's the number one player in the class of twenty twenty three. All the other scouting services have DJ Wagner still at number one, but regardless, Jackson Clearly one of the top players in that class, five-star prospect, has just committed to North Carolina. The rich continue to get richer. And this is, I mean, it's understandable why you would commit to UNC. They're loaded for next year. They got pretty much everybody back besides Brady Manick. But a lot of those guys, this is going to be their last run. A lot of those guys have eligibility that's that's done. You would expect Caleb Love would probably call this his last year at UNC. And even if he doesn't, you've got I mean, Armando Baycott is done after this year. Other guys are going to be done after this year. He's officially a senior, right? Yes. Okay. So Gigi Jackson, not a shock. I think most people saw this coming, but Hubert Davis getting it done. And if you're looking for, I mean, honestly, as much as it sucks because Carolina's a conference rival, but if you're looking for reasons to believe that the Kenny Payne era at Louisville can be as successful as we all want it to be, what Hubert Davis is doing right now is a pretty solid indication because you know, when I was talking about some of the things that gave me pause about hiring Kenny Payne during the process, one of the things that everybody has brought up, everybody else had brought up and, and I brought up, was the former players going back to their old schools and becoming first-time head coaches and how it has not gone particularly well for most of them. And for most of the season, Hubert Davis was, you know, one of the exhibits in that that piece of evidence. And then he turns things around late. They go to the national title game. They almost win the national championship. They're probably going to be the preseason number one team in the country next season. And he's killing it in recruiting. So if he can get it done, you would expect Kenny Payne has a chance to have the same level of success early on in his tenure at Louisville, which is exciting. Speaking of Kenny Payne, the man is running an airtight ship. It's unbelievable how how, how tight the ship is right now. This headline was like, what? <laughs> So this morning, and again, there was no indication that there was an announcement imminent that we were going to find out who the third assistant was at any point this week. There was no buzz last night that, hey, press conference tomorrow. This morning, it hits everybody's inboxes. Kenny Payne will hold a press conference to announce a staff addition at 2 o'clock. And it's 140. And I sent the tweet out. I'm like, it's, it's 
crazy, but I really enjoy it, that nobody knows who the hell this hire is. And there had been some speculation. And right after I, I, I send that out, I get multiple texts from people saying, just so you know, it's Mike Menenga from Oregon. And I'd heard, I think I put it out there, he was kind of my guest. I'd heard that he was in the mix for a while. And so I'm just thinking when the announcement comes, okay, cool, Mike Menenga, let's I start doing the pre-write over at Car Chronicle. I start looking up what he's done at Oregon, who he is, how he handles things, what we should know. And then the announcement comes out via the official UofL Twitter account. Josh Jameson from Oregon has been hired as the, uh, the third assistant coach. And I think like a lot of people, the reaction was sort of like, who? Oh, it's the it's the other Oregon guy. Do I get credit for saying Ernie Ken at one point from Oregon? Kind <laughs> I mean, of. I came close. Partial right? credit. Uh, yeah, I think I, I think I was in the right ballpark at least. I will give uh, a credit to because I, I sent that tweet out saying like I'm not sure who's going to be and uh, House of Cards podcast at, at House of Cards five hundred two. They said they responded. They're like I think it's Joel Josh, Josh Jameson or Joel Justice, and I was like I don't think that it's like I, I was like I. I pretty sure it's going to be this Menenga guy if it's not it's going to be somebody totally out of the blue and they were right they they put it out Josh Jameson and that's who it is and if you're wondering still who is Josh Jameson you're you and me both he spent the last 15 years at Oregon the last 14 seasons he's been their director of operations Uh, he worked with for with Kenny Payne for two seasons when Payne was an assistant out there at Oregon and that's when that relationship started and he's clearly a guy who is good at forging relationships with players in the press release from L, they've got quotes from uh, dylan brooks from peyton pritchard from luke ridenauer uh, all speaking so highly about this guy and the, the relationship that they had and how much they helped him in his in, in their respective journeys through college and then to the nba and all this stuff it's clearly a guy that fits with what kenny payne has been talking about since he was hired uh, wanting to hire the best people you know individuals who care deeply about the human beings that they're bringing onto this roster, people that he can trust. And that's awesome. I, I, very excited to hear this. I, I think the quotes speak volumes uh, about the character of Josh Jameson, but he's never been an assistant coach before. Yeah, there's always a but, right? At least at the, D, at the D1 level. And that's something that Louisville fans have latched onto. I think this would be a bigger deal if you didn't already have Nolan Smith and Danny Manning on your staff. No one who's been an assistant at Duke. Uh, I know he was technically director of basketball operations before this past season when he became a full-time assistant, but he's been doing coaching things at Duke under Mike Krzyzewski. I don't think you worry about his coaching acumen. Danny Manning has been an assistant. He's been a head coach. He's, he's been around the block. He checks all those boxes. And so if you're bringing in a guy who maybe is more, I don't know, about forging relationships with with players, which is sort of what we wanted to get from Kehill Fennel this past season. That's kind of why he was elevated to being a, a full-fledged assistant. I'm fine with that. I, I think also you have to, we, we can't just not acknowledge the fact that this is a West Coast slash Nike connection that you would assume would help Louisville in that regard. Uh, I know Kenny Payne has his own Nike ties and has talked about uh, having both Adidas ties and Nike ties and it being the best of both worlds. But this is another Nike guy to just drive that point home. So all of that's out there. I know he's not hes not somebody who's done recruiting. He's not somebody who's done coaching. But he said he's wanted to be a coach since it's been his goal to get back into the, the coaching side of things because he did that at the high school level and I think at like a junior college well, level no, he before. Did it, he was two years at Portland, so he did two years okay. at one. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Very, very, you, go you, Pilots. He did go, from, weirdly, it was two years at Portland. Then he went to the high school for two years okay. in Oregon, yeah. I, I knew he had coaching. Yeah, obviously, he has connections to South Method High School because he's been there. Tw- uh, he was a freshman coach there, then went to Portland, then went back there 
as a, a head assistant coach. Gotcha. And he's run a, the, the the focused basketball camp for a long time, so he's he's got ties to AAU circuits. He knows people in, in those fields. So, like, I, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like like this is a fantastic hire. I, like, I don't know anything about Josh Jamison outside of what I found out in the last hour and watching his press conference that he reminds me of Jimmy Cooper from the OC. I mean, aka Tate Donovan. You just warned me when I heard the name. The first thing I thought it was the guy that jumped in after his barrel of liquor, brought it back out. <laughs> Can't let that Irish whiskey go to waste, right? I mean, the odds-on <laughs> favorite for that reference was going to be some sort of Jenna Jameson thing, and you, you know, you let everybody down there. I'm sorry, yeah, I, Jenna Jameson. He talking about showing now. That is showing my age, but yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I'm, yeah, I guess the first thing I thought of was who, what, huh? I, Thank God that Kenny does a great job with these press releases and their bios because I need every word of this one. There's no skimming this bio. I've, I've got to read this one from top to bottom because I have no idea who it is. And I don't think anybody probably short of members of the South Mepford High School you know, region and, <laughs> and, and those who work at Oregon and are big Oregon fans over the last decade and a half do probably know who he is. I, I do like it had not occurred to me right away because I didn't intend to greatly process it. I like processing things on the air live with everyone else. It makes it fun, right? Everybody else likes hearing you do that too. And and you saying what really clicked in my head was this has to there's no doubt in my mind this now has to be somehow connection with the Nike ties. Yeah. I mean, we I wanted I think I wanted I believe you wanted, I think a lot of people kind of wanted Someone with that X and O experience to make us feel more warm and cozy about Kenny Payne with his lack of head coaching experience. Danny Manning does bring that to the table. I don't know if that was the level of experience I kind of wanted. I suppose maybe for somebody a little more experienced, but and then with this one assistant job left, short of being Milt, we kind of maybe thought it could still be that position. It's clearly not. It's someone who has less coaching experience than Kenny Payne does, than anybody on his staff does. But if it, it involves the ties to, to, to help with Nike and recruiting and then that West Coast feed, then you know what? I mean, how's that any different than giving a job to Milt just to get his grandson? I mean, it's I'm, I'm good with this. What do we do now? Because there's no longer any speculation. Milt Wagner is not one of the three assistant coaches. And he was the first name that people, I mean, when Kenny Payne got hired, there were some reports out there that, that Milt Wagner had already signed a deal to be the assistant coach or an assistant coach at Louisville. There was some talk that he was going to be the associate head coach. And I think up until recently, there's still been a lot of speculation that he would join the staff in some capacity, and he still may. Um, the special assistant talk was out there before the full-fledged assistant talk became a thing. What do we make of the fact that that Milt is not one of the three assistants? Is it an indication that Kenny believes he can get DJ without having Milt on staff, or is it? I, I don't know. I, I don't. It's a surprise. I'd like to think there there has been some communication with him and Milt that's saying you know you don't have. I mean, Milt being, you know, I don't have, you don't have to put me on the staff. You, you, you're in good, good grace with my grandson. You know, it's not, this isn't like something, a requirement that we're asking. I, I would like to think that might have been a part of a conversation these two had at some point, you know, or maybe they're looking at the fact that, Hey, you know, we've got a year before, you know, he can still be on the staff for all we know, you know, Nolan, who could be, you know, chomping at the bit, Danny Manning may want to get back out there. This could be like a one year deal for one of them. And, you know, they're hoping or expecting possibly to, to move to another head coaching job after this year. I don't see that with Mr. Jameson, but... I'm sure Danny wants to be I a head coach Danny, again. And no one... I know he wants to be now. He's he, going to be at some point. One year might not be enough time for him, but... Yeah, I think it'll probably be a few. But Manning, I mean, Danny Manning, I mean, I could see if this team especially does well, you know, 
he could get. He, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't get some smaller school, if not even you know lower mid level school offers still Same. again. Same. And that could be something they could be foreseeing. You know that that Manning's coming in here. Maybe is kind of a you know not to us, but as we can see now, they have no problem keeping things private here. This could be something that they're like, hey, you know, this may be kind of a one kind of thing with Manning. That could be leading to the associate job where he leaves after one year. Nolan gets that associate after the one year. And then that leaves another spot open now again that could be Milt just in time for his grandson to get here. Yeah, maybe. Like, I, I can't imagine that that was the conversation that Kenny Payne and Milt had, though. Like, you know, we're not giving you the assistant job now, but just hang on. Like, if they wanted to bring him on, they very clearly could have brought him on, and they still may. Yeah. I, I think there's still. He can still be close to the program, just not without a title. I mean, well, can... there's still some, like, lack of clarity on whether or not you can be a special assistant to a program and still recruit. A family member because that again you know you've got great rules when nobody knows exactly what the hell they mean like th that's the perfect sign of having airtight bylaws that are perfectly laid out for everybody to understand when we've been talking about this for two months and still nobody knows exactly what the hell the rule is there's still I, 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 some confusion i've it's been my understanding for the last several weeks that originally the deal was Milt was going to come to Louisville as special assistant. Then they got word that you can't hire a family member of a recruit on staff unless it's as one of the full three-time assistants. And then now there's been some sort of, well, actually, that's not true. There's this loophole. I've got no idea. Like, fix your bleeping rules, NCA. Like, maybe this should not be. This should be a cut and dry deal. Either you can or you can't. So I, like, it wouldn't shock me at all if we if we hear some point down the line that Mill Wagner is hired as a special assistant to the program. But it is somewhat of a surprise that he's not one of the three just after what we had heard about a month ago that he was. It seemed like it was a done deal. I mean, he doesn't actually have a title to be you know close with the program. Well, sure, no, of course not. I mean, they could just have him you know hanging around. I mean, give him you know tickets behind the bench or. You know, whatever. But if that's what he wants, which yeah. has kind of been what's been reported, then it's a little bit of a surprise. I and mean, you have Dewan Wagner last weekend talking about the Louisville program and the Kentucky program and his son's recruitment. And he makes it a point to say, you know, my dad should have had a job at Louisville on staff a long time ago. And now he's not going to have a job on staff, at least as one of the three primary assistants, which I sort of was reading into Dewan's words and I thought that's what he was talking about. Like he should have been an assistant coach at Louisville um, way back in the day, and that's never happened. And now, hopefully, it will. But I, it's it's a hard situation to make sense of. But this is this is the new world in the Kenny Payne era. There's going to be a lot of confusion for people like us who have to talk about something, but don't have a whole lot of details. And as a fan, I like it. I, I like that we're not having stuff leak out. I, I like that if Kenny Payne wants to keep something close to the vest, so far. It has stayed close to the vest. Josh Jameson was asked about Kenny Payne being so secretive during the press conference today, and he said, I'm just happy that I was able to tell my mom. Like, like my mom knew and pretty much nobody else knew. And that's, I mean, that's the way it should be at a program, the stature of Louisville men's basketball. I agree. The fan in me hates it. Well, sure. The fan in me, wants the fan in me likes it because I think it's. I think no, the good outweighs the bad. The fan in me is because you got to remember I'm the same kid who would you know open my Christmas gifts and yeah, you don't you, you I, don't do delayed I, gratification. I, I have zero patience. I mean, when you when you're looking at you know lucky to be fifty and, and on this earth, your know, patience is, goes out the window. Uh, but the radio guy in me loves it. Like it gives us nothing more but than the. I mean, the, the fact that especially coming into a summer into an off season that we have no no answers and we can speculate and be hypothetical i love hypothetical who doesn't love a good hypothetical i mean krc claims to be the king of hypotheticals we might have to give them a run for their money at some point <laughs> 
you know, that that part of me loves the secretive. Because, I mean, you, we didn't know anything about Jameson. We get to spend now today talking about him and the, you know, hopefully the, the, the ending of the, the, the house falling on Mark Emmert's reign as NCAA president. You know, we can talk about that and and also speculate so many different things and our minds can play, you know, all these different names and scenarios. That part I love. As a fan, I want to know. But as a radio guy, I'm loving it. I mean, you always want to know. I always want to know. But also, I would rather know that my program is being run in a professional fashion than what we went through the last five months where, again... like There's a happy medium between the two, possibly. If someone tripped and and stumbled... I I want stuff to get out there that the coaching staff wants out there. If if they're purposefully leaking stuff, then so be it. They have their own reason. At the end of the day, all I care about more than anything else is the program being successful. And I think that stuff not getting out that Kenny Payne and company don't want to get out is an indication of a professionally run organization slash program. Whereas when stuff has been leaking out, especially to rival media members or rival fan media members who have been very willing to release that information out into the wild before anybody at UofL wanted it to be released, uh, it's kind of an indication of a not-so-professionally run program slash organization. I, I, I like that. Like It makes me – I feel more confident in the direction that we're going with things being – kept airtight these last several weeks yeah i mean i don't want i don't want to it doesn't need to be leaked to any you know the, the sydney curry's beating up mike james over a chick-fil-a sandwich but then again i don't want the fact i don't want sydney curry beating up mike james over a chick-fil-a sandwich whether the, the news getting out is irrelevant i it, the incident itself i would like not happening and i think you know a lot of that stuff you know happening last year i don't see hopefully we're seeing happening this year because you know we don't have all the the turmoil and and angst that we have with last on this year's team, hopefully. Yeah, neither of the things were good. The, the, the fights weren't good. I don't have a Chick-fil-A sandwich as much next guy, but don't get me wrong. The, the fights were bad. Everybody knowing about the fights five seconds after they happened was also not good. No. So it was, it, 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 like, you don't have to explain it. After a 13-19 and 19 season or whatever we finished last year, it was bad any way you slice it. It was all, all over. It was bad. Uh, we've got more things to talk about today. Mark Emmert celebrating his funeral, doing the funeral dance gif, like showing up, like, oh, we're going to talk about that. We've got some uh, some football notes to get to today. We'll take your text on the Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. Uh, text line, has, uh, several people have asked the same question. We'll get into the whole Nike versus Adidas debate. Spoiler alert, we're not going to Nike. I, mean, I don't know how many times I have to say it. We're, we're not going to we're Nike. We're not repainting the upper level of Papa, or the Cardinal Stadium. We're not taking a like several – like almost hundred million dollar pay cut to, to change apparel companies, especially when there's some contractual issues there. Um, but we'll, we can have that discussion. We'll get into all that good stuff. We got to take a first break. When we come back more of the, uh, well, I tell you what, we'll take text for the first time. We'll react to the Josh Jamison news. 502-414-1450. That's the Thornton's tax line. If you need to stop and get gas right now with gas prices soaring, the best place to go is Thornton's. And the best way to save some money at the pump is by downloading their refreshing rewards app. Do that. It's going to save you money outside Thornton's. It's going to save you money inside Thornton's when you go in and grab a fresh cup of coffee, a donut, pepperoni pretzel, whatever you want. Thornton's has you covered, and they're going to give you the best deal possible. Download that Refreshing Rewards app today, and then text us on the Thornton sex line at 502-414-1450. we right back here with more of the Mike Rutherford Show on 1450 and 96.1 The Big X.
that we've been through. What are we doing here? You should understand me. We understand you. Like I understand this is your post-birthday. <laughs> Who's birthday? Sad? Is this your like, post-birthday sadness? <laughs> you don't know me by now. Well, there's a theme today. Okay, I like it's it. It's not post-depression, by the way. I was going to say, <laughs> post-birthday depression, PVD. <laughs> Alright, well, God, man, I don't know how to, to <laughs> lead back into the show. My, I gotta put my once a year, thank you for the birthday wishes on Facebook and status update. At least you do it after the day. Cause I, and if this is you, and I'm calling you out, so be it. But the people who do it in the middle of the day, I know what you're doing. You're just asking for more people to wish you happy oh, yeah, birthday. Yeah. Like it's like three o'clock. You're like overwhelmed by the support of my friends and and like feeling very loved on my birthday. I'm like I know exactly what you're doing. And you know what? I was gonna wish you happy birthday. I'm taking it back. I'm gonna act like I didn't see this. Now, do you look down on the ones who piggyback on other happy birthday people's that don't put their own posts and just piggyback on others or the? Oh no, I do that sometimes. <laughs> if I don't know you that well, then I'm yeah, I'm going to the comment. I mean, I mean, half the people that that I mean. I thank you in, in advance for all the birthday wishes. Like, there's a lot of people on there. I have no idea who they are. Yeah, I mean, just, that's, just that's 95 percent of my Facebook friends. Yeah, as as, as mine. Yeah, which okay. is fine. Whatever. I love all of you. I do too. I think a couple of former. I think I, lo- I love like. I think I've told you this. One of my favorites is uh, the former Seton Hall player Jeremy Zell. He's always writing on my wall, like, happy birthday, because I'm friends with him. Some reason on Facebook. God, he killed us. Yeah, no, but he's always like, happy birthday, man. Torched Have us. a good. I'm like. <laughs> like okay and then so there's uh, like, some other former level players that will do the same as well that I've never actually met but I'm glad to see them do it well done sick brag though I, I, I can't brag anymore I'm still hurt. a nice little brag I'm a little hurt still that I was that I was all puffing my chest about John Daly following me you're like he follows me too I'm like, well I didn't know <laughs> I had no idea mad. I checked that I was like oh like, like if there's ever a bur- a uh, bubble being burst like you could have heard like a sorry the balloon i should have just not said it. anything yeah. <laughs> i should have just not said anything uh we've been talking about josh jameson being named the third louisville assistant there's one other thing that we have to talk about before we get to the thornton sex line and it, it's been brought up a few times by some people but josh jameson was at the center of oregon basketball being placed on probation uh back in 2018 so for a program that's had its own run-ins with the NCA. I think that that brings a lot of red flags. But here's what this was about. I was listed to bio. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> there. Brag about you, Kenny. Look what you do to me. <laughs> Look, there there were things that have been going on under Dana Almond's watch at Oregon that if Josh Jameson was involved with, I would have far more concerns. But here's exactly what Jameson was involved in. Um, additionally, Jameson, who participated in and observed voluntary workouts at least 64 times, according to the ruling, has a two-year show cause requiring him to attend the 2019 and 2020 rule seminars. Jameson described his involvement in the voluntary workouts as a very poor lapse in judgment per the NCA's report, but Oregon disciplined Jameson and thus no restrictions, no other restrictions are being imposed. So it sounds terrible on the surface. Like this guy was at the heart of Oregon being placed on probation, but the violation that occurred was him watching voluntary workouts, which is now, by the way, not a rule. If you are the director of basketball operations, you are allowed to not just watch voluntary workouts. You can participate in them. So on one hand, not great that he was involved in some rule breaking at Oregon when we're trying to you know, rid our reputation of all that. On the other, he has kind of done a little bit of coaching. <laughs> he has he has done some things that remind you of what an assistant would do at another I mean, breaking program. Breaking rules that aren't rules anymore. It sounds like it's perfect for Louisville. Why not? I mean, yeah, look, 
middle fingers up to everybody. No we we don't care anymore. And I was like, there are no rules anymore. Let's let's start che- like not, not even cheating. Let's you start doing got- things that were cheating in the past, but actually doing them effectively now. You said show cause, and that wasn't upheld, though, right? Or- he had a two-year show cause, which just meant again, show cause is only I just don't count if you I, I, go to another program. Oh, okay. I mean, I don't see it. Yeah, I don't see a gap in his like his resume to where no. he was out for two years. That's what that's what. I was curious. The only thing, like show cause, doesn't mean that you can't coach or anything like that. It just means that the the punishment that you've been hit with follows you if you're hired by another program. Usually, show causes are a big deal for a fired coach because mm-hmm. it makes them not rehirable. But he was able to stay on staff and basically just keep doing what he was doing. And he was, and and they didn't punish him. The NCAA did not put more restrictions on him because Oregon disciplined him themselves. They found out that this was happening. They self punished Josh Jamison and the NCAA took that self punishment as enough. They didn't render gotcha. any further punishment on him. So that's, that's that he watched in, he watched voluntary workouts 64 times. That was the long and short of what he did wrong. Bastard. So it's not, it sounds bad when you first address it and then you read it and you're like, Oh, well, whatever. I mean, it sounds the bad part is like, like most people are going to be that was a rule. You can't watch a voluntary workout. What's the point of silly. having a workout if your coaching staff can't watch? Very silly. Uh, Did you videotape it and watch the tape? Would that have been a rule violation? Great question. <laughs> I'm not technically in the room. I would guess. <laughs> like you joke, honestly, probably not a rule violation. Yeah, if you like, had, well, not our fault. We had like security cameras set up in the gym, and they were you know recording it 24 seven. I don't like. What do you think the basis of that rule is? The, the whole. Because it was a big thing when David Padgett was on Rick Pitino's staff, but not as a full-time assistant. Because I think his first gig was director of basketball operations. I don't think it was player development or anything like that. But there was a lot of – people would always be like, well, when we signed a – and we did the big man thing. We were doing this even back 10 years ago. When we would sign a big man recruit, it's like David Padgett's going to get his hands on him. He's going to teach him all this stuff. And then people would have to say, well, he actually can't participate in – practices as a coach he can't do any of this stuff so he can't work in voluntary workouts or independent workouts like he's he can't coach can't physically be with them is what we know and so the, i mean there was a rule for a long time i don't really understand what the basis of it was i guess the whole thing is to try to avoid situations where people are hired for you know a video coordinator job that they're not actually going to do they're really going to be so, so you have like seven coaches that are instructing players on your okay. staff. I mean, that makes a little sense. I guess, but, I, like, what's the harm in that? I mean, who's to say that, like, like I just, you know, to get around that, Pageant just does an instructional video, and they show it to the players. They would have done Gio Gaudio's rebounding uh, rules. Would a hologram or, David Pageant in practice <laughs> violate any rules? I mean, <laughs> I mean, that's the good question. Like, to have him act out, like, how to do a jump hook, like I mean, his the, the classic David Pageant jump hook, oh, yeah. and then just show the hologram in practice? He's not actually there. He's not there. I mean, this could be just, this could go out. I mean, this was going to be, you know, a, a tape we were going to sell right after the back-to-back-to-back AAU championship commercial. Look, these loopholes are coming, NCAA. I mean, you better get your ducks in a row before, like, 2040, or we're going to have robot coaches, and you're going to have no idea how the hell to handle that. <laughs> Mark Emmert's still going to be saying that he's retiring soon. He's just, like, complaining about NIL. We're like, we got robots coaching teams out here, Mark. Maybe it's time to get some new rules. Dude, Zoom coaching. I mean, it's coaching from the from the bench with the TV screen right yeah, there. They've been doing that for a while. Yeah, I, I could. I mean, it's it's probably a good thing they did get rid of it because I. I mean, how long before coaches? We, we have the things we kid about, but you. I mean, you can't tell me that some coaches hadn't started thinking about stuff like that. So I mean, but like my whole thing is, if you wanted to, if if a program is so successful and so great that 
a guy who would be a third assistant or a, a top three assistant in another program wants to be like a adobo who can also coach what's the harm there like if they're that good and they have your coaches want to be just be a part of this program so much then why shouldn't you be able to load your staff with incredible teachers of the game but i don't know if it, i don't know if it would be the argument would be a financial thing like you know so and so school could pay a kid to do that or, or an upcoming coach to do that where god forbid we have an inequity you know a max school you know he could be in the assistant actually an assistant at a max school but make you know half the money you know i, I don't know if that would be that's already kind of the, the I'm just, yeah you got that dynamic already working i'm just throw i'm just trying to throw stuff against the wall and hope to see if maybe that's what the instant is thinking it. I'm not saying what they think is always the right manner or, or makes common sense, which is a good reason for me to be in defending them in this case because that's kind of my mindset as well. But, you know, I, that's that's the, that's the only thing I can assume. But other than that, I think there's a reason why they probably got rid of the rules, some of these rules, because they realized they were asinine. Did I use that word right? Yeah, nailed it. All right. Are you going to miss the third assistant jokes? Because I am. <laughs> Anytime somebody showed up or like was going to leave for another job, like third assistant confirmed, which by the way, again, today, somebody made the joke that I assumed everybody was in on because Peyton Siva posted a picture of, he's like, good to be back home. My second home, the Ville. And somebody like tweeted at me and was like, Siva, third assistant confirmed. And then that became a big thing where everybody's like, it's Peyton Siva. I saw your tweet about uh, Brad Calipari on one of like my, my Facebook threads, the fan fan threads yeah I, I see but i never go on to but they just happen to land on my newsfeed oh are they taking it seriously oh man were they ripping you on that Brad oh Calipari? they were oh man and what i love the people respond well, you know it's a joke it's not funny <laughs> oh my god <laughs> so they took it seriously one, one guy i remember i won't say his name because i can't remember it anyway but one guy was like commenting like replying to every comment like saying dude it's a joke get over it he's like he needs to have some kind of that's not no sense of humor in my mind and it just like went, was not letting this go <laughs> Facebook's usually, a, you know, a laid-back place where rational discussion is welcomed. Not on the fan pages. Apparently, I'm, a, I'm associated with on Facebook. I'm glad that was spreading. Yeah, I, yeah, I'll see your tweets on there a lot, and most of it's usually, oh, look what, what Rutherford said. No mention of me, punks. But you know, there's just always you. But when you put out something, you know, like that, that was one of the funnier ones I saw. Like, I, <laughs> how do people like? I, how do people like? I, I thought that my jokes were obvious enough. As time goes on, apparently they're not. Like. Whatever. I I also said John Calipari was going to be the third assistant confirmed. I said Jay Wright. I think I said Mark Emmert yesterday. <laughs> but Brad was the one that caught steam. I mean, you've put Tom Brady out there. You've had – we've had – you mentioned Jay Wright. We've, I mean, we, yeah, everyone, anyone and everyone has been named at one point our third assistant. Brad has now uh, officially taking, taken an assistant coaching job at uh, Long Island. Okay. All right. Who's the coach at Long Island? No idea. I, I want to say Munson, but that's Long Beach, I think. Oh, yeah. He's he's at Long Beach State. Yeah, he's still at Long Beach State, right? Yeah. LIU. It's not LIU Brooklyn now. I think they, they're one of those programs that's changed it. Um, oh, they dropped the Brooklyn? I thought everybody wanted to be associated with Brooklyn. Maybe they did. I don't know. <laughs> I had a buddy who played. Oh, it's Derek Kellogg. Kellogg. That's, that's the, there's there the connection. There you go. There you go. Another okay. chip off the old John Calipari yeah, coaching more, tree block. More proof that everything is, is earned, not given for Brad, right? Because they have changed their name now, too, because they used to be the Blackbirds, and now they're the Sharks, I think. What um, a drastic change. Yeah, that's been a change. I had a buddy who from high school who went and played soccer at LIU Brooklyn and then became like this big tech guy who just stayed in Brooklyn for his whole life. Shout out to Zarek. He's still a big U of L fan, but um, that's my only tie to LIU. So when they're doing well, it's like the only time I'll reach out and be like, Hey man, LIU Brooklyn, they're about to win the NEC. And he's like, yeah, nobody cares up here. Why would you change your name from Blackbird? That's awesome. You could come out to like the Beatles Blackbird song. 
I think it because people UK be fans cool. used to, and you still see it every now and then. UK fans would use that as a derogatory term to talk about Louisville players. They would refer to us as the Blackbirds back in the day when racial tensions were even higher than they are now. And it's an animal. Well, <laughs> there's a connotation. Oh there. man, this is the Florida gator thing all over again what was the florida gator thing where they couldn't use gator bait as the reference because it's considered like it was i guess some some white trash redneck used it like in 1912 as a racial slur and so they're like oh now we can't use it and then 100 years later i hadn't heard that the fact that like most of the player who came up with it i guess from the 90s team was like I'm black. <laughs> like, I'm the one that came up with it. <laughs> uh, let's go to the Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. Texas says, here at the Mike Rutherford Show, you listen thinking we will talk about Louisville basketball, hiring Mick Cronin as the third assistant, but instead we spend 15 minutes talking about random law facts and stories. Yeah, that's what happened. <laughs> Did I hear Mick Cronin's name in there? Texas says, I can guarantee that no other show in the city is leading off the first 15 minutes of their show today talking about law vernacular. Well, it wasn't what we intended. Yeah, we had loaned some dub in there, too. Give us some credit. Texas says, I know what Trevor looks like. I'm his mailman give me a shout out are we re- are you really your mailman i'm a I mailman. it's cool and this is what i'm thinking of i never actually said anything to him but hey his last text was november of 2021 and it said trevor looks like hodor from game of thrones can i get my man trevor to say hodor one time since we've talked about lookalikes hodor hodor i love who doesn't love hodor that's your mailman i mean you're gonna compare me to a lovable character from game of thrones who put his life on the line to save the universe i'll take it didn't just put his life on the line. Gave his life. Gave his life. Yeah, I'll take that any day. And man, more props to you. Just uh, quit opening up those uh, uh, plain and blank uh, envelope packages. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Texas says, "Oh no, oh no, it's gonna set him off again." Texas, after listening to the last hour of yesterday's show this morning and then going through that vulture list, good God. I agree with Trevor's anger. That thing was all over the place. They'd have some artsy piece from the 1930s, and then bam, the Universal Soldier sequel at 92. Yes, it's there. Also, what the hell, no Ghostbusters 2. I mean, that belongs on the list. I wouldn't put it in my top 10. I liked Ghostbusters 2. I did too. I mean, it was campy and cheesy, but it wouldn't be. Yeah, I mean, it's the top 50 at least, I would say. We had a ton of texts out, and if you saw this, like I guess our podcast listeners are starting to get in. I, ch- I went For some reason, I, accidentally, I didn't mean to. I went to the text line on my phone. Uh, around like midnight last night, and I saw we had like ten or eleven texts just like commenting on. Oh, really? On the, the that list, I saw some people like suggest uh, you know uh, Electric Boogaloo two and uh, things like that, and just people commenting on on our podcast listeners listening. We're starting Man. to get. We're starting. We got. Oh, we got to talk with KRC. It's gonna be more work. Yeah, I don't want to go look at. In. I don't want to go look at text when we're not on the air. <laughs> I don't want to have to go. Sh- and, and the thing is, like TJ, like they all read those, like so that I, I can't find which ones are for us. And now we're living their life. You gotta go look at the time of when it came in and see if it came in after five o'clock, oh, after six o'clock. More six work. And, you know, podcast. No, no raise. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> Texas having a coach with West Coast connections is big, in my opinion. Patino's best years outside of 2005 were centered around T. Will and Siva, both Seattle guys. Yeah, don't forget uh, West Coast guy Andre McGee as well. <sighs> Trevor, I'm just saying it's not all it's not all cherries and uh, strawberries on everything. Yeah, <laughs> fair. But you do need like having a West Coast guy in this. You know, Danny Manning. I get like Danny Manning. I don't think you can put him in one region. He's he's kind of nationwide everybody knows who danny manning is once a clipper took him to the playoffs in 1990 yeah clearly has a lot of uh, i would say clout in the midwest you know he's 
Kansas boy, coach at Tulsa, did well there. He now has some connections on the East Coast after being at Wake Forest for a while. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't think you can just say Danny Manning is going to recruit this area for you or help you in this area. Like everybody knows who Danny Manning is. Yeah, played, played a large chunk of Phoenix with the Phoenix Suns as well. So I'm very successful with the Suns. But having some, I, I think the Nike connections, the having a foot that's, in that Oregon Nike Phil Knight world that's outside of just Kenny Payne himself is the bigger deal in all this. No disrespect to Mr. Jameson. And what his knowledge on X's and O's and being a consistent coach could be, I can't help but think that his connections with Oregon and Nike are like eighty-five to ninety percent for the reason of this hire. I would guess so. I mean that that's got to be it. Like my, I hate to say this because I I don't know, but with all the buzz around Mike Menenga, like Mike, and he was you know he, he is another Oregon assistant. I'm not. Yeah, he is like him. the like an actual Oregon assistant okay. under Dana Allman, and they you know. The text that I got right before the announcement were like, it's Menenga, it's Menenga. And he'd been rumored for a while to be one of the, the coaches that was in consideration. I wonder if it was we went after Menenga first and he said, you know, thanks but no thanks. They're, they're going to give me a raise here. I'm going to, you know, whatever. It's like the West Coast. And then it became Josh Jameson. But it, it, Kenny Payne had his sights on somebody from that program because of those connections to Nike and to Phil Knight. They have two other assistants as well. I but mean, maybe those guys he didn't didn't care for. I don't know. I mean, he obviously, I mean, as we mentioned, he spent two years as an assistant at Oregon while this guy was. Right, they Robert. know each other. So they do have, they have met, they have known. Um, I mean, yeah, I, 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 yeah, that's the possibility. I would like to think, again, that, you know, maybe they talked to the other two assistants, but maybe you're right. Maybe all three assistants were like, thank you, but no thank you. I'd be surprised that you could go over three with an Oregon assistant when you're talking about becoming the Louisville and being an assistant coach. But, you know, I guess it's possible. And, and maybe the other two, who knows? Like, you couldn't get on the cheap. Like, this guy clearly wants to get back into the coaching side of things after 15 years of, of director of operations. And when that's the case, you can probably, you know, we've already shelled out $600,000 for Danny Manning, $400,000 for Nolan Smith. The assumption was that the third assistant was going to be the – least well paid to, I don't know if that's, that sounds bad but he was I'm going to be trying. the low man on the the pay scale and so when that's the case maybe you couldn't have gotten Menenga or one of the other Oregon assistants for that cheap but this guy who just wants to be a, a assistant coach you can say well cool you're going to make $300,000 or 250k or whatever it winds up being and work your way up the ladder like that seems to be that it's a plausible scenario to me as to as to how we ended up with Josh Jameson Chuck Martin one of the other assistants by the way Okay. We just joined Oregon in 20. Just joined the staff this year. Okay. So I can see where that would be a no reason to do it. And Kevin McKenna, the other assistant, uh, apparently as well. Looks like he hasn't been on the staff long either, it looks like. No, he's 11th season, so he's probably a mainstay of Beltman. Probably not going anywhere. Yeah, so that's probably, yeah. One guy's not going to leave right away, you would think. And Menega's been there for eight years. Yeah, so the other two are pretty much, yeah, they look like they're they're going to leave. They're probably going to look for head coaching positions at this point, I would think. It's a lateral. I mean, even though Louisville's a better program, it's still somewhat of a lateral move going assistant to assistant. That 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 kind of unsolves the mystery, I think, a little bit of why, yes, we went with Jameson over an actual assistant off the staff. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about uh, all of this good stuff, take more of your text. We'll talk about Bill Self's uh, hypocritical comments that have been spreading even more these last couple of days. And also Louisville baseball. Nice offensive night once again last night against Western Kentucky, and they get ready for a big series again in the ACC this weekend. All that coming up in hour number two is the Mike Rutherford Show on a, on a Wednesday. Oh, almost messed that up. This song coming out, this could be like Jam- Jameson walking to his press conference. Okay, on 1450, the Big X. <laughs> When we argue, fuss, and fight If you don't know me by now 
back in second hour of the wednesday edition of the mike rutherford show now i'm trying to think how what possible theme <laughs> i don't remember the first song because i never pay attention one's bitten twice shy okay and then this song and if you don't know me by now you will never know know me I, I, I don't know what's the name of this song i've got no idea i know it's green day yeah it's but it's called jar which stands for jason andrew relva which was a i guess a friend of theirs who passed away in a car wreck Oh. So they just wrote the song about him. Was this from their first album? Uh, it was after their first album, only released on the soundtrack for the movie. Arliss? Close. What? Angus. Angus. That's what I meant. My mom, I tell you, my mind's gone. So that's why I figured you were close. <laughs> this isn't the Angus soundtrack, is it? You've done that before, I think. No, it's not the Angus soundtrack. Okay. But this song happened. Arliss. Also a good show. I never got to really watch Arliss because I didn't have HBO at the time. I liked it. And, like, it would sometimes come on ESPN Classic. It would. You're right. It was hard to kind of watch because it was all edited for TV, and our list was very, you know, free with the language and stuff. Mm-hmm. I tried to find it when, like, HBO Max originally came out, or when HBO Streaming like, originally came out, for some reason they would have, they had all these shows on there, every show they've ever done, except for our list. It was, like, wasn't included. And it drove me insane. But when HBO Max relaunched, it did include on there. I tried to go back and watch it. We're talking about a show that's now like twenty eight years old. Like it's hard. it doesn't not really pertinent anymore. I mean, like I know the people, but like if I'm like younger and I'm turning it on, I'm like Raphael Palmero and you know, like just guys that like, yeah have no like have been you know some maybe not even around this earth anymore, let alone like in their sport. It does kind of doesn't hold up as well. Yeah, unfortunately, because I kind of wanted to go back and watch it. I really did. Yeah, yeah, all good. They should redo it, Arliss. I mean, I guess. Yeah. It's fine. I mean, and that kind of what Entourage was, except for movies instead of pretty much. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> all right. Let's take some more texts. Five zero two four one four fourteen fifty. We barely cracked into the Thornton's text line there before the last break. We're reacting to the news of Josh Jameson from Oregon being named the third assistant on Kenny Payne's first staff at Louisville. Uh, Texas says, great point about KP being secretive. Another reason Matt Jones seems so depressed lately. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> uh, so this question for Mike and Trevor. What is the only civil law jurisdiction in the United States? I know this. What? The, it's the, Louisiana is the answer to the question. I knew the answer. You wouldn't let me. <laughs> you got to hit the button first before you got to say like. Sorry. I'm sorry. Louisiana text. Thank I knew that. It's because they had. It was, it's because it was previously run by. It's the only state or I guess area of the United States that was run by multiple countries. Spain and France. You've got. You know, the French French area of Louisiana, that's why they, they talk with the goal, G-A-A-U, well, yeah, but Tigers. I mean, you have, you have like, tradition. You, you could have that in other parts of the country, right? I mean, No, the, only only place that was ruled by multiple countries back in the day. The multi, okay, multiple, because like, other places were just owned Spanish by France. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Texas, I think if Milt was going to be hired, he would have been by now. I kind of think the same thing. My, like, my only holdup in saying that definitively is – what we were talking about as far as U of L trying to find clarity 
and maybe they have, like maybe they feel like they can hire Milt as a special assistant to the program and still go after DJ Wagner, which, they, I mean, we, we know they're going after DJ Wagner. It's now a question yeah, of, what, of, a of how they can hire Milt Wagner or if they're going to hire Milt Wagner. Uh, we'll find that out, I guess. But mm-hmm. I, like that would be my only guess as to, as to why he hasn't already been named as a staff member if he is eventually going to be named as a staff member. I mean, obviously take, you know, Wikipedia as far as you can, but if I'm correct, Milt has not been employed on a staff in, in the last eight years. It's been eight or nine, I think. 2014 is when he left Auburn staff. There you go. Yeah. That's a long time. It's been a while. Been a while. Uh, Terry says, did you see Mabin's dumb tweet? We are Louis- Why are Louisville fans so quick to throw Adidas under the bus when they give us so much money? I did not. I'm assuming this is... Um, Supporting Nike. I was going to Nike, I guess. Which has been... Like, there's been that rumor basically since it's been clear that we were going to hire Kenny Payne. Like people have said, well, we're going to make the move from Nike or go to Jordan brand. And every time I ask somebody at UofL, like any truth, like, they're like, no, it's one Nike would not pay us in the same stratosphere of what Adidas is paying us. We have a top like five still apparel deal probably in college what, athletics behind what, like just UCLA, maybe Kansas. With UCLA Adidas. is huge. I think there were a couple, like when we originally signed it, I think we were number two and I think we've, we've slipped back since then. Um, but we just recently we just signed which is what three years ago four years ago hasn't been that long has it? It's been a while now. Has it been since the, the re up was? It was right after the I guess it was right after one of the scandals. So because we weren't, I remember it, it wasn't as bad as Kansas re upped with Adidas right as they were claiming that they had been defrauded by Adidas in federal court. <laughs> I remember that thinking like thinking like that's the timing is poor there. I get it, but uh, I, I can't remember when our last a deal with Adidas was. Let's see. Louisville signs deal with Adidas. It was yeah, you're right. Um, we signed a five year extension in okay. 2018. Yeah, yeah. So four years ago, it's been four years. So I mean, that's, but that's the extension kind of coming up. Yeah, ten years. It was a ten year deal worth a reported 160 million dollars. The other thing that's been, and I have not been able to confirm this if somebody can, but a, a U of L athletics employee told me this, and I don't know if this is something that's would be found out, but there has been. Like people, UofL believe that Nike has it in its contract with Nike. I mean, UK. God, I can't talk today. Kentucky. I wonder where you're going. <laughs> Kentucky has it in its contract with Nike that we can't be a Nike school. I can't. Like, I have a hard time believing that. I mean, do you really? Because we're talking about the same school that pretty much told the SEC you can let anybody in but Louisville. Yeah, I mean that's true. I but mean, well, let's be real. In the Nike UK relationship, Nike is the one. You know, they're driving the ship there. They're the alpha in that relationship. Yeah, Kentucky wants Nike more than Nike would want Kentucky. Exactly. Now that's hard, I know it's hard to say and maybe believe, but it's got, yes, it's true. And maybe that was an easy concession for Nike to make just because, you know, sure, whatever, you know, we, Louisville is, they're not going to make a move anyway, so we'll agree to it. But to actually have that in a contract, and again, I can't confirm that. It was told to me by somebody who I assume would know if they're going to say that, but we'll see. I mean, if you're Nike, though, I mean, when you if that is in your contract when you sign it, and I would assume maybe that this happened what maybe less than ten years ago or so when this was put in. I mean, you're Nike. You look at Louisville and go, "This is cool. We'd like to have." But I mean, we've got North Carolina. We got Duke. We got Kentucky. I mean, can, can, can we can we throw someone on uh, under the bus? You know, that's a big school, but we don't need to have to take it because Kentucky probably brings them more than Louisville. Would. Oh, I'm sure. I know. Like, actually, I don't have to think. I know they would. And maybe at the time. 
there had like, I can't tell you and again like I I don't even know this for a fact I'm just speculating here yeah but maybe at the time there had been some talk that Kentucky could jump ship for a different apparel company like maybe Adidas was making a, a push or Under Armour probably more likely more likely was yeah. making a push to get them on board and Nike felt like they had to make at least some mild concessions to to make sure that UK didn't jump ship that's all I can figure but. Every time I talk to anybody at UofL about this, it's shot down immediately. Like, we're not making a move to Nike. One sport's not going to dictate this. They give us too much money. It wouldn't be in our best interest. And, I mean, you know, like you said, like, smaller things. Like, we'd have to redo the complete top of Cardinal Stadium because it's a gigantic Adidas logo. Like, we would have to. Changing the tattoo of the name of the ex-girlfriend on your arm or something. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Alter it some way. <laughs> the swoosh would probably be a little bit more difficult to do with the chair bags. I don't know. Uh, I would think with and if you're listen, if you're Nike, I mean you've got to turn he's out the wazoo. I mean if this is it, it is somehow in a contract and Nike, point being, if Nike wants Louisville, Kentucky's not going to get in their way. I agree. And and Kentucky, Kentucky could say, well, we'll take our bong home. Nike would probably call their bluff, and Kentucky'd be foolish to do it because even if they went tried to go to Under Armour, I mean I guess they could go to Adidas and take our kind of our deal, but. I don't think they would do it. They, they they wouldn't happen. They would they would probably be like you know they'd get mad about it and say okay let them in. Uh, Texas says haven't had a good Virginia story in a while. Could use one today. Oh, you had a rough night though last night, didn't you? <sighs> She's not let me sleep at all. Um, <laughs> That's like you have a story. It's not a good one. I don't think I have a new great. Her new thing is to use. When she's being like when we're fussing at her, when she messes up, she uses the phrases or words that we use against us when she gets mad at us. <laughs> For instance, last night she told me I was quote out of control when I told her it was time to stop swinging and to come inside for dinner. Uh, she's like, she's like, you're out of control. I was like, no, that's not really. Curious out of context at what point Mary said that to you. <laughs> no, I think I've told her like you're out of control oh, okay. several times. Um, the only other story that I, I can think of is I mean she says crazy things every single day, but she. I came, she, like me, hates wearing pants, like any true red-blooded American should. Okay, argue it for me. Hates wearing pants. So I, I came home, this was, it's been a few weeks ago now, and she's not wearing pants. And she's starts doing what I can only describe as a booty dance and just starts saying, shake that booty, shake that booty. We have not taught her this. And so, I'm, I mean, I'm laughing my ass off, but I'm also <laughs> course, like, yeah. how, how, how do we get here? And so I said, Virginia, like, where did you learn this? And she goes, at school. And I said, oh, well, who said it? And she goes, um, I did. <laughs> and I was like, well, the mystery continued. Like, you didn't just pick this up on your own. I don't know how the hell this happened. It's but not like a commercial or something, probably. Maybe. If your kid, if your kid attends the same preschool as mine and has learned how to shake their ass in the last two months to a song called "Shake That Booty," doesn't your mom teach? That's on school? us. No, she's the assistant director. Okay. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, what are you teaching our grandchild over here? So that's, I guess that's on us. If, if my child has taught your child how to shake it, apologies. <laughs> uh, Texas says, are you telling me football and basketball, we are about to be running the West Coast and recruiting? Yeah. I mean, where are you doing it in football? Already doing it in football. Yeah. Satterfield's got the West Coast on lock. Okay, what if yeah. Satterfield somehow recruits the West Coast better than Kenny Payne? With an Oregon assistant. It's like Sat's like Sat's texting Kenny. He's like, you need some tips? I mean, yeah. I, I guess it also depends how many guys on the West Coast we actually go after. Here's some cool here's some cool places you need to visit when you're out there. The Golden Gate Bridge. <laughs> Alcatraz. <laughs> There's a city called Los Angeles. The Hollywood and, uh, sign. 
Disney World. <laughs> I do, I, the Hollywood sign. West Coast Satterfield is just my favorite thing. Like I, I just it will never stop being funny to me, and I love it. And he's killing it. And it's just – it's all wonderful. And it's going to – it looks like it's going to continue to be a thing. By the way, Pierce Clarkson uh, was in a story – what are you laughing about? I'm just thinking I'm seeing, there's, I can see Satterfield being the guy like walking around with the camera around like his neck. Oh, 100%. Asking for, a, asking for a map of the star's homes. Like, just, like holding the map, driving – like trying to find a recruit's house like he's looking for a star on the map, map of stars. <laughs> Taking him to the, the the what's the Chinese restaurant with the uh, the, the people on the on the on the, on the, on the it's like dialogue. John Tesh lived here. <laughs> Get out! Get out of town! I just I don't know why I <laughs> followed everything he's ever done. <laughs> got like the camera thing around is like he's like in, uh, in in Euro Trip. The guy had the pouch on his chest where I've, he got a <laughs> I've absorbed his entire catalog. <laughs> I don't know why. I, just, I didn't mean to. You know, I just thought of that. It just made me giggle. It's, it's good. I, I like <laughs> I pictured it. Pictured um, it. So Pierce Clarkson was at. There's an on three story today talking about the top quarterbacks in the class of 2023, kind of where they stand. And Pierce Clarkson was asked about getting an offer from Texas A&M, and he says, pretty straight up, like it was flattering. I enjoyed it. I'm committed fully to Louisville. I'm locked into Louisville but then adds a disclaimer at the end, assuming there's no coaching change. Oh, he threw that in there. He did. This clears up something that you and I have talked about. Like we, we have said, you know, if it's, I mean, I'll say it again, Scott, win at least seven games this year. I mean, yeah. Avoid a whole lot of awkwardness and unrest amongst the fan base and debate. Just win at least seven. Eight would be much better. Anything better than that, ideal. But, Seven's the bar. You got to get us at least there to have this conversation because there's no longer a debate to be had about what would happen if this season goes poorly and Josh Hurd or whoever's the athletic director at that point in time says, enough's enough. It's been four years. You're clearly not the guy who can get it done. We've got to part ways with Scott Satterfield. There's no longer, I think, with this statement by Clarkson, any debate about could that 2023 class, which is on pace to be the best in the history of the program, could it stay together with another head coach? Because if Clarkson's out, Guess what? All those Cali kids are out. And please win seven games, Scott. I mean, that, that, that's it. Like, I would hate to be in a position where – because if he goes six and six, it's awkward. I think you probably still keep him just because you've got the recruiting class. And, you know, God, it's – I hope we don't have to go down this road. But if he goes four and eight or five and seven and we're staring down four seasons – where we've had back-to-back-to-back losing years, he'll have a losing overall record, and his only remotely successful season will have been his first year, and you can chalk that up if you want to, to inheriting the talent that Bobby Petrino had accumulated and left high and dry in 2018. That's going to be... It's going to be a tough sell to the fan base because, and I I honestly would say the exact same thing, if he goes 4-8 and or 5-7 and this year, and you're like, well, we got to keep him around because we've got the highest rated recruiting class in the history of the program coming in. My counterpoint would be he can't win with those guys. If he can't win at least seven games or six games, bare minimum this year, with what he has coming back from a team that was close to winning seven or eight or even nine games last season, then why should we believe that he can do anything with all this four-star talent coming into the program? It's I think going to be a young, by the way, a freshman class where, you, I mean, you – this is football. This isn't guys coming in immediately and making 
And they can make impacts, but not like in basketball, where right. you can just bring in a bunch of freshmen. I mean, the quarterback possibly, maybe a little bit of skill position. But beyond that, I mean, true freshmen aren't making huge impacts, especially on the offensive defensive lines. Agreed. I mean, we would be – They could, but not really. I mean, I think the best case scenario for this program right now is, you know, we go 8-4, and four, maybe better this season. Have a good year. The final run of Malik Cunningham, the final run of somebody like, Mar- you know, we, we'll have Marshawn Ford back. We'll have some guys that have been in this program for a long time. Hopefully we can get some young players to have some experience. And then next year, you throw some of these four-star kids that you feel like are the future stars of your program. You kind of throw them into the fire and hope that they're, you know, they can swim at least well enough to get you to a six and six, seven and five, maybe eight and four type season again. And then, and I hate to even talk like this because it, you know, I hate to say like, we got to wait three more years to really fully hit our stride, but it feels that way right now. I think then in 2024, your hope is we're back to where we were like 2014, 2015, 2016, where we're preseason top 25. We have legitimate aspirations to win the ACC, depending on what Clemson's doing at that point in time. And, you know, maybe flirt with like top 10 talk if we're really like that's what you circle and say we should be hitting on all cylinders at that point in time but it it reminds me a little bit of charlie strong's second season you know he inherited we we talked about Bilal powell yesterday calling it a career he inherited Bilal and a couple of other uh sort of focal points of the offense that were seniors Mm -hmm. and was able to ride those guys to a seven and six record and a bowl win and then a year later, he took that that first good recruiting class that he had and sort of said, look, if I've got a freshman that has about the same skill set as a junior or senior who's been around here three or four years but maybe hasn't improved all that much, guess what? I'm playing the freshman. We're throwing him out there. We may take some lumps early on, but this is going to be the best thing for us in the long run. Next year, two years from now, we're going to benefit from doing this. And that team, remember, they started two and four. And George gave Charlie Strong a contract extension. Everybody flipped out about it. They then, they upset West Virginia. They get hot. They oh, they damn near win the Big East. That's year we lost to Marshall too, right? We lost to Marshall and Florida International yeah. with Scott Satterfield as the offensive coordinator. Marshall lost, I'll never forget. Jay Hanson, Jimmy's Metting Day. Oh, that's bad. The whole thing, was, that was bad. All that was bad. For the record, but, what was a good Marshall team, by the way, that we actually Marshall lost? and FIU ended up playing each other in a bowl game yeah, that, that was, year. That was Doc Holliday and Raheem Cato at quarterback. It was actually, a, I think that was like an 8-9 win Marshall. That was a good Marshall team. Because he, he and Teddy had played each other as, as mm-hmm. quarterbacks in high school. And then, of course, FIU had T.Y. Hilton, who almost single-handedly beat us. No, he did single-handedly yeah. beat us. I was at that game. He had three touchdowns and like four catches for 180 yards. But my point is you saw the potential start to show itself in the second half of that season when yeah. we were beating yeah. pretty much everybody in the Big East and we played NC State close in that bowl game. Teddy almost died, but that's okay. And then the next year, the next two years, like we're one of the best teams Good. in the country. Yep. I think that's what you have to hope with this recruiting class coming in was under Scott Satterfield. But – you lose your faith in his ability to, you know, do what Charlie Strong did in year three, if with 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 the guys in second year, which would be twenty twenty four season this go around, if he can't get it done this year to a point where it's hey we're at least seven to five or eight and four, right? Here's the thing, and I, I hope Satterfield knows this. You can't I, with the great recruiting class coming in, like with, with Strong with a different situation being his first year, and and he did win. He went seven and five. I mean. You can't Satterfield. I hope doesn't think that he can give us the if we go this team does go five wins or God forbid six wins you know or six God forbid five or even less that he's going to tell us well you know it's a bridge year 
the, the right. town's coming. Yeah, you can't. That's not the case. Some we're fans not, have already said that. Listen, I'm like, uh-uh. We're not, you know what? No offense to those fans, because most of us aren't that stupid. We should know that last year was That a was br- the pitch last year. Last year, Well, last year was a bridge year to me. I mean, we had, obviously, a lot of talent coming back in Malik and some of the people, but most of our weapons that had been the leftovers from the Petrino era that clearly he left talent, just didn't gave up coaching it, you know, was gone in Hawkins, Atwell, Beckham, so on. And last year, we, we talked about, you know, so many guys coming back to this year. We have 22 starters. We got, you know, you know what, 19 Letterman coming back. 22 Letterman looking good. Oh, 22 starters. Yeah, something like that. That would be the entire team. <laughs> Every starter's back. But we brought back, out of 22 starters, I think we brought back, what, 18 of them? We got a solid amount. Yeah, 19 maybe even. So, I mean, yeah, that was a bridge year last year. This is not. And don't feed me that crap. And I, and you, you can't be, because if you have a losing record, I mean, Lou hasn't had a, with three losing years in a row since what, like the Ernest Givens days of the early '80s. I mean, have we? It, yeah, because Crackthorpe didn't play in a bowl game his first year, so six and six technically six wasn't six, a losing yeah. season. I mean, I don't think because I know that we've had this is the first time we've had back to back losing seasons since the the two Crackthorpe years. And maybe I'd have to, I don't have it in front of me. Maybe maybe her early Howard had back three straight. Did Cooper? Did he have a winning record his first year? Because that I know he had back to back losing seasons did. after that. I could be wrong. I think he went like six and five that first year, That's maybe. Right. Yeah, because he. Had, I mean, let's not forget he inherited a lot of talent from Snellenberger's defense too, with Sam Madison and and that and that group. So I mean, he had some pretty good defensive players. He, yeah, he went seven and four his first year, yeah. and then five and six and one and ten. Yeah, and so was, it would have been and that was still bringing in guys like Chris Redmond. So I mean, I think you're right. I, I feel like Howard may have had three straight losing seasons to start his tenure, and then. Like showed prom, I, I, but it's been a long. The case in point is, it's been a long time since we have had back to back to back losing seasons. Uh, slash AAU national champions. Yeah, Howard's first years, first three years. Yep, all three two and nine, three and eight, three and seven and one. And haven't had them since. Haven't had three straight losing seasons since. So yeah, we haven't had we haven't lost we haven't had three consecutive losing seasons since 1985 to 1987. Hey, Ernest Gibbons was on both those teams. Which is, I mean, that's <laughs> that's kind of a hell of a thing when you think about Louisville football historically not being, you know a national powerhouse or anything to have gone that long without yeah. having three consecutive losing seasons is something. And it would be, it'd be hard to not like just let that be the overwhelming sentiment in this debate. If it happens to Scott Satterfield this year. Now, in fairness, his last is the three losing seasons by house. Snowberg was the tail end of nine straight losing years we had. Yeah, that's well. <laughs> Nobody was saying it was good in the seventies or early eighties. There's a reason why we were about to go to D two and we were giving away tickets with free gallons of Dean's milk. And I'm I'm willing to buy a little bit now, and I'm sure I'll buy it into it more as we get closer and closer to the season. You can make the well, we had a lot of close games last season. We just didn't get it done for whatever reason. That's why I was you can make here. that argument a, a little bit to get people hyped or more optimistic than maybe they should be for this upcoming season. If it happens again, no. it's not just you being snake bitten. It's not just you. Well, we just, you know, we're so close. We're going to get over the. That, it becomes who you are. It becomes a program that does not know how to win. It's been four years. You have to at least be. You got to be over 500 in year four with the amount of talent that you have, in, have coming back, including one of the best players in the country. At the country's at the sport's most important position, mm-hmm. and I don't think that's hyperbole. Like Malik Cunningham, no, you call, yeah, college level, top twenty yeah. college quarterback he's in the country for pro, next year. But yeah, as a, co- a collegiate quarterback, yeah, by far, he's, and he's, he's a weapon, and he's got enough weapons around him. And the defense, my God, if you can't, I mean, it's been four years. If it's not any better in year four, then 
it's on you as much as it is, as it is on Brian Brown. I mean, Scott. what's the saying? Uh, pull me once, shame on you. Pull me twice, shame on me. Pull me three times. You got to go. Like yeah, that's not poop the bed. And it would suck because all of this work, all this excitement about the recruiting class and getting the type of talent into this program that we've been desperate to have for so long would go by the wayside, and you'd be back. I mean, it's in a worse place than you were when Satterfield inherited the program, if possible, because you'd have none of those players coming back. And with the new transfer rules now, which weren't around four years from now, you assume you'd lose a lot of the guys that you do have coming back. Mm-hmm. It would take – you'd have to kill the, the coaching hire. It'd have to be a fantastic – I mean, I, I, you're, you're, it's, you're chomping at the bit over there. I saw your face just line up a second ago. I could name one guy that would kill it. It would have to be somebody <laughs> like that who yeah. could bring in similar-level recruits and – convince the best players on your current roster to stick around and even then you'd be starting from behind the eight ball like this season man you got, got to get the job done like somebody started behind the eight ball taking over two win team and winning okay going to a ball in the first year <laughs> okay let's, let's go to break before he goes any longer uh, we'll get back to the text line coming up here a 502-414-1450 is the thornton stocks line we'll talk about mark emmert also calling it a career but doing so in predictively um slow mark emmert style he's going to drag this thing out as long as he possibly can because that's the mark emmert way but we'll talk about that after the break it's the mike rutherford show here on 1450 the big x back in mike rutherford show rolling on here on a wednesday beautiful wednesday actually turned out to be a fantastic day we're getting the perfect combination of no rain and actual nice temperature sunny day am i allowed to open this window yeah i open this one all the time like i'm not i know this sounds weird you know it's kind of like how the fact that i'm I'm not like i'm not a people person but i love parties i i don't like going outside but i love having like a window open for fresh air open it up you also i mean you get the view can't beat that view the I at least get the half the yard. You have the gigantic <laughs> generator, whatever that is out there. It just says no smoking here. It's like, I can't smoke anyway in here. <sighs> just my little tea, just, just teasing it, rubbing it in my face. <laughs> so we were talking a little bit last segment about the apparel deals because what has come up multiple times, and I assume will continue to come up, with Kenny Payne taking over the men's basketball program and now hiring a longtime Oregon coach, People saying, well, we're going to make the move from from Adidas to Nike or Adidas to Jumpman or wh- whatever it is. And I said, not going to happen, at least anytime soon, because we get paid too much by Adidas. There's this rumor about the, you know, the Kentucky's contract with Nike. And here's this is via Ethan Moore. This was sent in on the text line. Uh, shout to Ethan. He posted the 20 most lucrative college apparel deals from Matthew Kish of the, of the Portland Business Journal. And this was from September of uh, this past year. So this is current, according to Matthew Kish. Yeah. Louisville has the number one apparel deal in college sports as far really? as— We're ahead of like, even Kansas with the deal? By a wide margin wow. in, when it comes to annual money in agreement. Louisville's deal with Adidas right now, which lasts until— June 30th of 2028, 
pays U of L fourteen point six million dollars per year. Number two is Ohio State and their deal with Nike, which is almost three whole million dollars less. Eleven point nine million dollars is their annual uh, payment from Nike. Kansas, number three, eleven point seven. Michigan, Nebraska, UCLA, North Carolina, Arizona State. Good lord, they're not getting poor return on investment from Adidas there. Uh, Oregon and Texas A and M round out of the top ten. You know, you know, they're probably getting you know good and bad, just nothing in the sports wise. Yeah, what are they doing? It's party school, man. Well, I mean, it's f- fine for college, but athletics. You're not seeing that return on investment they put, there. They put the logo on red Soho cups and it's really going to kill it on that. So if you're asking why wouldn't you know, because I get it. People, some some people like Nike gear more than Adidas gear, and if that's your whole thing in this in this deal, I'm sorry, but you can understand why U of L would stick it out with Adidas because they are quite literally the highest paid college sports program in America when it comes to apparel deals. I mean, I don't I, I don't know you know all those stadiums by heart, but I don't think any of them have a giant Adidas logo painted in the fam in the in the, in the seats. And in case you were wondering, Kentucky not in the top twenty. Ooh, Alabama's number sixteen. Does that surprise you? Surprised me that they're low, yeah. And you think, I mean, everybody talks, you know, football, 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 football. Number one and number three are very clear basketball schools in Louisville and Kansas. Yeah. Ohio State kind of checks all the boxes. I can get why they would be too. Uh, Michigan. Ohio State does football. They're, they're pretty good in basketball, too. I mean, yeah, so I'm saying they, they check all the boxes. Like, Ohio yeah. State's a equal opportunity, successful athletic Plus, program. Ohio State, if I'm not mistaken, is only second to Arizona State in terms of the largest student base on campus. Yeah. I think, I think I mean, you know, if you don't count University of Phoenix, but I mean, I think them and Arizona State are like the two most Is it Arizona State really? I, I know Ohio State used to always lead that. I was either, Ohio State was one, Arizona State was two, or vice versa. I always forgot. I couldn't remember. I didn't realize it was Arizona State that they were always battling with, but there you go. Um, which is another, which you, maybe that explains why they're in the top 10 if you were, you were seeing yeah, it. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Uh, the largest enrollment in America right now is actually Liberty University. Really? Yeah. Fowell's. Seventy-five thousand. Are they? I think that, that, there's no way that's on campus. That, that's got to be like remote. I mean, that's like I said, University of Phoenix. It's, it's a huge campus. I know that UCF is the school that I was thinking of. Well, UCF is, is also does like uh, they count like all their like campuses across the state. I believe all in one, don't they? I don't know, but I, I know they're all. They were the school that I was thinking of that always flip flopped with Ohio State. I knew they were up there too. Yes, down. So Ohio State's actually number five right now. Wow, they've dropped and Arizona State is nowhere to be seen here. I don't know. May have gotten some bad information there. Well, I mean, Ohio, I thought Ohio State was one. They're now five. This is number probably, five. No one me. This is probably stats I looked up maybe back in like two thousand six. <laughs> yeah. Since then, I mean, it's Liberty, Cal State, Fullerton, Texas A and M, UCF, Ohio State, Maryland, number six. Cal State, Fullerton, and Liberty. You could give me a. Two hundred guesses, and neither of those schools would have come up in my in my in my list. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's a two hundred. I would never guess those. Okay, well in twenty twenty though, Arizona State was number one. So there oh, you go. Okay, thank yeah. you. All right, fall twenty twenty, Arizona State number one, UCF two, A and M three, FIU four, Liberty five. Ohio State was seventh. Liberty still blows my mind. Just took in a lot of people after the pandemic. <laughs> Everybody's just flocking to Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> yeah, because, have you ever been to Ohio State's campus? Yeah. I, I mean, I had it's friends huge. that went up there. Yeah, I've, I know I've mentioned that before. Uh, Texas Mike <laughs> was channeling his inner Trevor. I knew this right when I said it, too. I said, throw them in the fire. And then like a moment later, I was like, see if they can swim. And I knew it was like yeah, two different. And he was like, right as I said, I was like, I was like, ah, oh. I was like, I just said throw them in the fire right before this. But the point was the point. I thought, <laughs> How did I miss that? Oh, I, was, I knew it right when I said it. I was, I was like, uh, Spaced out for a second. Texas says, Jerry or uh, Trevor yeah. looks like 
Jerry, I've never seen the show, so I don't have to get the reference. I don't think you have either. Jerry Gurkic from Parks and Rec, but homeless. Yeah. Doesn't sound like a compliment, but <laughs> I mean, I've been told I look like the guy that plays Bert in Big Bang Theory. Uh, he's been, yeah. he's also been in a lot of shows. He's he, you, if you saw him, you would know him. I, I know he's been, he was like on the Sarah Silverman show at one point. Uh, he's been in a bunch of things. He, like he's just a big dude. He's kind of bald at the top with a big red beard. Uh, I'm not balding, a little thin on the top, more thinner than I want to be, but it happens. It's the one place I don't want to be. Thin. I, I'm getting thin at, and I'm like, damn it. There's so many parts of my body I'd like to be thinner at, not on the top of my hair. <laughs> Texas, so Mike, what you're saying is Virginia Rutherford is the next Haley Van Lith. She's got the size right now. <laughs> She's almost as tall as Haley. She's got right? the spunk. There's no question about that. <laughs> the hand-eye coordination, I don't know. She also, she does not handle failure very well. Like, you could, like, we'll toss the ball around, like, in the basement and stuff, and she can catch it ten times in a row, and if she drops it once, just melts down. Just melts. There's nothing really wrong with that. Yeah, she, we have to work on that. Yeah, and then she just doesn't want to do it anymore. I'm like, no, yeah, I'm like, you're doing so well. Like we're, at, she's, yeah, we're gonna have to, we're going to have to work on that. Some people just don't like, uh, don't like losing. I don't blame them. Texas, the new coach called us Louisville. I, I, I'm willing to forgive it. The guys lived the last twenty something years on the West Coast. I also love explaining to people like when they'll say like, "Oh, you're from Louisville." I'm like, "Yeah, you know, it's it's Louisville," and they're like, "Really? Like, like why?" I'm like, "It's just what we say." Like, well, who's it named after? I'm like, King Louis. <laughs> So, but it's, they're like, oh, it's named after a Louis, but it's Louisville. Louisville, yeah. yeah shut up. <laughs> you wouldn't get it. No, it's a Louisville thing. <laughs> Texas, regarding Wilt, wouldn't it be weird for your grandpa to be a coach? Milt, I think is what they mean. Regarding like, Chamberlain, that's starts to go in my mind. <laughs> the thing is, they say Wilt multiple times in the text. Regarding Milt, wouldn't it be weird for your grandpa to be a coach? Imagine Milt barks at L, yells at Withers, and then gives DJ a pat on the back and a Werther's caramel. It would be kind of weird, wouldn't it? I mean, he was his son's coach. I mean, how's that really need? But I guess grandparents are supposed to be the one that, like, spoils the kid, right? Where the parent is the, the stern one normally. Is that how that works? It also, I mean, I, I feel like, because it's crazy to, to think about this when it's, like, people like us. I'm sure it's different in the world of big-time basketball. Like, you just, these kids become professionals at, like, 15. It, it's just, they exist mm-hmm. on, on a different planet. And I'm sure that it would be more normal than you would think. But it does, like, seeing the, this through our own lenses, like, I'm imagining my dad like coaching my kid at U of L or something and just how weird that would feel. But I don't know. I, I'm sure that they like the, the Wagner family, their reality is much, much different than the Rutherford family's reality. I wonder if there's ever been a, a, a grandson coached by a grandfather in college basketball. I'd be willing to bet it's happened. I mean, well, I mean, we've seen, I, I mean, time and time again, we've seen father sons. I, I think it happened recently. I can't remember who it was. Was it? It may have been like Beeline. Like I think his son Patrick. No, they, he'd be too young. I mean, it felt like it felt like Beheim was coaching his grandsons. Yeah, they just, they, just, they were just his kids. That's what I was thinking. I was like, if there's one person that could do it, it would be Beheim. But I mean, he's yeah, it's his kids. Well, when it wasn't that one with Kay, wasn't his grandson the I one think, that got kicked off the team? I think that was like his son-in-law though. Oh, the one that got the the the, 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 the DUI fall for for Rancho. Yeah, and then got the. Then transferred. Yeah. No, it is his grandson. Okay, so that would be okay. Never mind. Okay, yeah. But also, like, was he really coaching him? Yeah, he was. He's a walk on yeah, who threw and throwing grandson a bone. Yeah, I'm. I, 
I, I like swear, legitimate coaching. Help like, me out, text line. Like I, I swear, there was a reason, like a, a notable player, like a yeah, good like, player yeah, who like was playing RJ for his Hunter grandfather, playing for his dad, Ron, or you and know. I, it happened in the last like five years, and I, I, and I, it's just escaping me now. It's driving me crazy. I know it's happened. Text line, help us out. You know, Google it. No. Okay. Texas, I can't wait until they ESPN makes a documentary about the class that saved Coach Sad. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's that a good would, text. That would be good, yeah. The classic safe. I mean, that's the dream, right? Is, you know, 30 years from now, Scott Satterfield is the face of Louisville football, the man who took this program to heights never before seen and made them a consistent powerhouse. And we look back, and it's this great anecdote about how upset the fans were after year three, and they wanted to fire him and hire Jeff Brom, and then boom. He had to beg to keep his job. Pierce Clarkson, a.k.a. Jay Billis, just steps in and saves the damn day, and we get the West Coast pipeline, and all of a sudden we're the biggest thing in California football. Like, that would be – that's the dream right now. I kind of feel like Pierce would be more like Johnny Dawkins in this scenario, but yeah. (laughs) <laughs> not, not Jay, I couldn't but, think of who else was in that yeah, class. But, yeah, Dawkins might have been the, yeah, the guy you want to look at. He was he was the the, the the key player in that scenario. I don't know where he was as a recruit, but he was by far probably the best player on that team. Um, what, uh, oh no! Quick, quick oh no! Hold question. on! Hold okay. on! Hold on! Hold on! Damn! Baylor Shireman from South Dakota State has cut his list to ten. I'm assuming we're not one of the ten. We're not. And. I feel like this is a personal thing because that's okay. Of, I'm still hung on to Hunter Moore anyway. Well, I am too, but still, this is. I also I I said yesterday it sounds like the writing's on the wall for him to go to Kentucky and whatever. But I still would have liked to have been in the last ten. And also, I made fun of Clemson for being on the list of schools that contacted him yesterday, and they make the cut of ten schools. I was like, oh, way to reach out, Brad Brownell. Uh, his final ten: Arkansas, Clemson, Creighton, Duke, Kansas, Kentucky, Mississippi State, Nebraska. Texas and Wake Forest. Okay, Nebraska. He's already conducted eight in-home visits, according to this. How he just announced his he was transferring yesterday. <laughs> eight in-home visits in twenty-four hours. No, that's, that's impossible. Leave it to Baylor Shireman to make it happen. In home, I mean, they're it, coming to him. Okay, okay. Okay, that he's not he's not traveling yeah, to the coach's house. Like, how do you go to eight different all these places in twenty four hours? Like, even in a charter plane, you couldn't do that. No, I thought <laughs> I thought it was. In, I listened to a little bit of the KRC boys this morning. Oh, uh, Kentucky roll call seven to nine every single day, Monday through Friday, right here on our airwaves, replaying again from nine to eleven. Never forget, um, <laughs> Baylor Shireman. They clearly are prioritizing him. Kentucky is. The the Kyle Soccer story in the Athletic yesterday indicated as much. You know, the assistants are saying we're reworking our entire schedules to to suit this kid. His agent is a gigantic Kentucky fan, always has been. But I thought it was interesting that the KRC guys were talking about <clears throat> Antonio Reeves from Illinois State was supposed to commit yesterday and didn't happen. Something something changed, and they were all like, "Well." We assume that this is because we're now involved in Baylor Shireman. They kind of play the same position. We thought Reeves would be the guy who would be penciled in as the starter at the three. And now it looks like that could be Shireman. That's our understanding. But today, Reeves did commit to Kentucky. I don't know what that means for Shireman. I don't know if it makes it less likely that Kentucky gets him, which is now my only interest in this because Louisville's not going to get him. So now I just care about him not going to Kentucky. Or I guess Wake Forest for that matter since we have to play them. Clemson sucks, whatever. You should go to Nebraska, I think. Get out of my face, Clemson. Imagine going from South Dakota to Nebraska. I mean, talk about like, poor kid. <sighs> he's also he's better than the Reeves kid. I, don't, I mean, if he goes to Kentucky, I would assume he would start over him. But 
I've never been to South Dakota, but I've been to Lincoln. It can't be much worse. Lincoln sucks. I'm, I'm, I'm sad. I want to do at least be a player for him. I think he's really good. I think he's really fun. Well, we made the top 12, 15. I mean, that was a good cut. I don't think we made – I don't think – I think this is his first cut. We made the first – the deepest we for made us. The, <laughs> thank you, Cheryl Crow. We made the first – or Cat Stevens, for that matter. Uh, I mean, we made the original Jeff Goodman tweet about him. We did, yeah, the schools that had contacted him. But we're not there. Uh, Texas, no uh, – any new info on Tyrese Hunter? Nothing other than what I said yesterday. I – my understanding as of yesterday was that Thursday is the day that Louisville will make their big pitch to him. Gonzaga will also be talking to Tyrese Hunter and we'll see if anything transpires from there. Um, Texas says, why have we not heard anything about Kamari lands? Keep an ear out. I would say in, in the very, very near future, we will be hearing good news on the Kamari lands front slash. I think Brandon Huntley Hatfield will also be official very soon. Pencil those guys. Just guys keep hitting in. that refresh on Twitter. Just keep in that refresh. Follow, follow us here at the Big X and Mike Rutherford. And, my, and no, you don't have to follow me. I'm not going to have any updates. But follow me anyway. <laughs> Texture says Virginia isn't a snitch of her classmates if she learned it from somebody at school. That's the moral of the story. You're damn right. Yes. My girl don't snitch. Good point. She knows they get stitches. Yes. She's taking that. She's putting that booty dance on herself. <laughs> Texture says they're essentially asking for three bridge years to get to 2024. Yeah, kind of. I mean... It, it, we were making the comparison between Charlie's second year and what will be Scott Satterfield's fifth year, which and the reason for that being is Charlie kind of knocked it out of the park with his very first recruiting class, and those were the kids that he was throwing into the fire and seeing if they could swim. Um, and it will be Scott Satterfield's fifth year because we didn't start doing all this fantastic recruiting until he just finished his third season. We which, technically didn't have to the first two years because we had. I mean, as bad as we were in eighteen. He had good talent on that nineteen and twenty team. Yeah, he did. And it we showed three. Yeah, we had three guys. You know, three, two, two top two second first and second round picks. It just as awesome as this is, it would have been a whole lot less of a headache if we had been recruiting like this after yeah, year two or something. Yeah. And now this was the season that we were throwing the young kids out there and just seeing who could play and who yeah, couldn't play. Use pandemic as an excuse on that one. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> the excuses are can piling I, can I up. Pull the pandemic card. I don't know. I mean, and, and that's. I think that's why we're at this point where when people throw out, well, there's another bridge year. We just have to get these recruits in here. A lot of Louisville fans aren't buying it, and I think even more won't buy it if the team starts losing in the fall. Because if you can't win, like, like last year was a disappointment. There's no other way to slice it. Two years ago, we were picked to finish fourth in the ACC when it was a 15 team league, and they were doing the whole. You know, it was like one big. We finished 13th out of 15 teams when we were preseason number four. Like that's a disappointment, and everybody was dealing with COVID in their own way. Like it's, it's not an excuse that carries water when the follow up results aren't any better. And last year they weren't much better. And if it's the same thing in year four, it's a trend that you can't run away from. I'm just saying, if we if we, COVID doesn't hit in 2020, and 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 the North Carolina man and the Satterfield is with his probably points of view, he would have been out to California a lot sooner recruiting these guys. Yeah, they shut down in 2020. Remember, he was like, "I'm waiting for the mask mandates to be lifted, then I'm going to Cali and kill it." That's what he's waiting on. Maybe. Texas says we're bringing back a Heisman candidate QB, and with the schedule, you can't fall short of six, seven wins. And even with six, you're not that happy as a fan, but you're content. I like Malik. You're really stretching me to say Heisman candidate to me. He's on the list. So he's it's, on a list of what, maybe top 30? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's not. I mean, I think, I mean, hey, he's getting about the same odds as Lamar Jackson was when he ended up winning it. So if you want to call him, I mean, 
you can use the the term Heisman candidate very, very liberally these days yeah. in April and June. And I think he fits that mold okay. because the, of the numbers that he put up last year. I, I think you can say if Louisville had a better season and he puts up even better numbers this year, he'll at least be in the discussion. Now, I know that sounds outrageous, and I know Kentucky fans listening are like, oh, my God, these are – I get it. Well, that's because he's played like crap against them for two years. But you know who else? Yeah. Will Levis, Heisman candidate. Boom. Done. <laughs> Whatever you want to tell yourself. I just want to point out in the last Madden Dynasty, Malik got drafted. Will Levis didn't. <laughs> we also played a tougher schedule last year. And who could forget that we were favored in that game, which is all that really matters. It's all that, I mean, it's, yeah, that's, that's, that's all that counts. Will Kentucky football ever get back to Louisville's level? <laughs> to being favored. That's what the whole country is asking these days. Or will they ever beat us? Which happens first? Kentucky football reaches Louisville's level, or they beat us in men's basketball? Pre-pandemic. Well, well, never, hadn't happened. They're never beating us in basketball again. It's, it's been a long time. Yeah, a mean, long time. Yeah. Coming up on 900 days here. I mean, Milton didn't have a grandson last time they beat us in basketball. You're damn right. We were still recruiting DeJuan. We're still <laughs> but I agree with the overall sentiment of the, the tech. I think – here's what I think happens if the team goes 6-6, six and six, which is – I think five, seven, four, and eight is a disaster scenario because you feel like you have to fire them, but then you lose the class and you're starting from scratch. But six and six, nobody's happy, but I think you probably hang on to them just for the class. Is that worth it though? I mean, I don't know. Because here's the thing: if you're thinking, okay, yeah, we don't want to lose this class, but this is the guy just went six six with a team that clearly isn't a six and six. Should be better. Yeah, I mean, so if that's the case. Is it worth keeping him to keep these kids if he's just going to underachieve with them for three years? That's what I mean. That, that was my stance. Is I that mean, it's, it's a hard what, thing to do? If you keep him after that, if, if he has a and he would have a losing overall record after four full seasons on the job, that says to me it's cool that we're recruiting at a level that we've never recruited at before, but we don't have a coach or a staff that can do enough with these to make it worth it with, yeah. with these players to make it. Then worth what it. Memphis basketball? I mean. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, is that, what, is that what we would become? He's need. It's got to be seven and five or eight and four at least, bare minimum this year. I I agree. To I feel mean, good about that, I think I honestly, I mean, with with or without this class coming in, this this team is winning less than seven games. Is there's almost no excuse for it, barring injuries. It's a huge season, and I, I know we said a lot of the same things about last year, and I think that last year would have been like. Everybody would be pissed off and upset and seeing this as a lame duck season, let's just get through this and fire set, which is kind of where people were back in December. The recruiting thing changed that whole dynamic, changed mm. everything. Yeah. And now people are excited again. That excitement does dissipate dramatically if the on-field results aren't any better this coming fall. And we, we said this before too, like if it's six and six or seven and five, the six wins and the seven wins, who they came against matters significantly. If it's seven and five with a win over Kentucky, okay. You know, I wouldn't like some of the losses to ACC teams that would be in that five, but I think people would be seeing that as progress. If it's six and six or seven and five, like last year, where you beat kind of all the teams you were supposed to beat and you lost to all the teams you were supposed to lose to, and a couple of those losses were by wide margins, including one to your arch rival, then people are justifiably going to be pissed off. Like it's. Just get it done, Scott. Like, there's no other way to say it. Just get it done. I mean, you go six and six in any any scenario, people are going to be pissed off, and probably rightfully so. It's hard to tell them they shouldn't be. I agree. Uh, Texas says Nike pays the schools less because they pay the players more. <laughs> 
Well said. How long will these jokes continue? Like, well, are they still going to even be? Is NIL going to kill all kill all these jokes? No, some things just stand the test of time. Probably not. Like a knock knock joke. Texas says fifty thousand of Arizona State students are online. Jesus, really? I mean, also TK does kind of look like Jerry from Parks and Rec. Now I'm going to go Jerry from Parks and Rec. Uh, if that's the case, then I, there's got to be, I mean, a, a high majority of those at Liberty are the same way. I would guess so. Yeah. Um, if you're counting online, then why can't you know, like the University of Phoenix or New Hampshire University be number one? I guess because they have zero like actual they campus. They don't have a campus yeah. at all yet. Doesn't the University of Phoenix have a campus, though, in Arizona, in, at IE Phoenix? I have no idea. I mean, the school's got enough students they can buy an NFL stadium. No idea. Still baffles me. Um, Brian on Instagram sent me a message. This is we, we <laughs> bad baby will not leave the show. Oh, not bad baby again. Guess how much she made on OnlyFans overall. We mentioned they, you know, she made five million dollars in one day. All that stuff. She just bought a six point one million dollar house. It's it's driving everybody in America crazy. Guess how much she made total on OnlyFans. Only on OnlyFans. Yeah, just like in this year. I, I guess since she started, which was, I guess, a couple years ago. Only fans, yeah, hasn't been around that long, has it, I don't think. I don't um, think so. Well, I she made like $5 million in at least like one day or whatever it was. Um, I'm going to say this is going to make my double roast beef come back up. But it's, <laughs> <laughs> By the way, 12 straight days, Arby's. The streak is on. Nobody's asked about it. The streak has lived on. The streak has lived. Get the, get the Photoshop ready, buddy. NIL deals, come on. Uh, I'm going to say... Thirty-six million. Fifty-two million dollars. I mean, just I mean, why? Can we I, launch a Trevor Kelsey OnlyFans? I have breasts, but get on, give me on OnlyFans. I'm saying, <laughs> let's make that move. I bet you could. I bet you could make fifty-two dollars. I got bigger cup size than she does. I don't know about that. Um, <laughs> by the way, I just, <laughs> I just looked up Jerry. I guess from Parks and Rec. Wait, what's the what's the verdict? A little bit, yeah, uh, yeah. He was. It's Jim O'Hare is the actor. Okay. Uh, he it says he was in Friends. I don't remember when, when he was in Friends, but he was also Malcolm in the Middle, Voyeur. The Rock. Looks like a lot of television shows just uh, getting just uh, little little spots here and there. What was he in Friends? I wonder because I, I, I've seen Friends a lot. I pretty much know that by heart. Um, let me look at this guy. Uh, he was adoption. Oh, I don't know. Adoption either. agency worker. Oh, I wouldn't. Know oh, come on. That's that not like a really. Good, when I mean, when would, Monica and Chandler were trying they, to adopt. Yeah, come on. I mean, get out of here. Yeah. When they, get out they, of they here. They think they think they're the couple, another couple, like a yeah. preacher or something. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's go to break. When we come back, hour number three is on the way. Next, we'll uh, rehash some of our thoughts about the third assistant coach hiring. We'll take more of your texts at 502-414-1450. and we will get into a little bit of this Mark Emmert discussion and who might replace him. One name who only always comes up when there's anything having to do with college sports is on the list. We'll talk about that. Hour number three next. 1450 The Big X. Mike Rutherford Show rolls on.
Alright, final hour of the Mike Rutherford show. Oh, come on, Dad. You on the water. Fire in the sky. <laughs> you the first burst, you were like, oh, never mind, wrong one. I gotta wait again. Every time, <laughs> this is one of those songs where, like, anytime I hear, like, two chords back to back, they're like, burn, burn. Like, all I can do is, like, I have to finish it. Burn, 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 burn. I always think two things come to my mind. Well, this I think of this song. I think of uh, a couple. Like, is it last year before? I used it on like a Kavaste smoke bumper for KRC, and Roush just loved it. He was like, "I love. It. I gotta hear. I gotta hear smoke on the water every time I hear Kavaste smoke." I like that. Uh, if you're just joining the show, it's hour number three. We we've been talking a lot about the, the Kenny Payne hiring Josh Jamison from uh, Oregon as his third assistant coach. And also uh, a little bit about Kenny Payne, how close he's played things to the vest, whether or not that's a good thing. Trevor does not like it as a fan. I like it as a fan. We both kind of love it as appreciate it as a radio guy. Yeah. And it's been, I mean, I think this is the way it's going to be. Stuff just kind of, you're not going to have a whole lot of leaks. Nobody saw this coming. Uh, nobody knew for sure what the announcement was going to be. You didn't have any, it wasn't like the Danny Manning thing where it came out of left field, but also half an hour before the press conference, Jeff Goodman and every national writer had, had tweeted out that it was going to be Danny Manning. This was just a curveball from Kenny Payne. And it's Josh Jameson. The third assistant jokes are dead forever. RIP. We'll find out about the rest of the staff now. But the big spots have all been filled. Let's get this thing going. Let's get this thing rolling. Let's get ready for 2022-2023. Uh, we talked in the last segment more about football Sort of the this all stemmed from Pierce Clarkson's comments in an on three story about the recent scholarship offer from Texas A and M and his response being, "I'm firmly committed to Louisville. Like, you know, flattered by the A and M offer. I'm going to be a Cardinal. The only thing that would change my my commitment to U of L is if there was a coaching change. Kind of putting an end to the debate about if this season doesn't go as well as we'd like it to, can you keep this class and also." get rid of Scott Satterfield, it sounds like no is the answer there. So that kind of led us down a, a path of what needs to be done this fall. What would you do if if that bar is not hit? And it's a, it's, it's a discussion that hopefully stays in the offseason and does not peak back up yeah, once we get to October and November. Yeah, let's just hope we can avoid this, this you know, Sophie's choice of decision on Satterfield's career with us at the end of the end of next season. Uh, before I guess I'd like I think we're going to some text line here in a minute. I would assume since we're probably behind on. Well, it. I want to get to the Mark Emmert stuff. Okay, because there was something. I, I, go ahead. I just remember I remember the majority of what the texts were last night when I went on there without clicking on them to help you out. It was people te- answering. I, I guess I'd brought it up, not remembering what this place was that opened up recently in Kentucky that everybody's raving about. Oh, the uh, it's Buck. It was like Buckies? Buck something. Yeah, and you were, you kind of looked at me confused. And I, I was, didn't know either. And uh, Corey, who I was talking to last night at U of L, was explaining. He's like, oh, he's like, oh, Buckies are big in Texas. Yeah, it's Buckies Beaver. I had a bunch of people texting in that it's a. I guess the way it was described, gas station slash grocery store, which to me kind of comes off like a Flying J or a Loves, maybe. I mean, yeah. Because, I mean, if you've ever been in, a, like, a good, like, a Loves or a, a Flying J, like, you know, there's a good, I don't want to say good one, but there's nothing you can't buy at one of those places. I mean, they sell stereo systems, TVs, I mean, yeah. showers, grocery stores. I mean, it's when I was in Iowa, and you've probably seen these, too, like, in Illinois, I think. They have the Casey's General Stores. Which oh, are, I love Casey's, And the pizza yeah. is, is, like, oh, their big thing. So good, yeah. It is pretty good. Yeah, it's a good pizza. Because I when, I, when I got to Carroll, Iowa to work that summer, I was like, you know, what's the best pizza place around here? And they're like, well, there's like a, I think it was called Godfather's was a pizza I've place. I've seen Godfather's. And then like my boss had to, had to sort of, you know, you have to preface the, these comments. He's like, don't <laughs> laugh, but the gas station that you just passed coming to my house, uh, it has fantastic pizza. 
And it took me about a month before I finally I was like, okay. It's good. And it was good. It was it was I, worth the hype. The first time I ever had it was on my way to Minneapolis through Iowa. And I'll never forget, I, I texted, I tweeted out. I was like, it may be the state of mind I'm in at 3 in the morning, but I just had maybe some of the best pizza I ever had, and it was from a gas station. And I had multiple people come at me going, you went to Casey's. Yeah, they love it. Like, I was like, how did you know this? I Because you don't see them in little. I guess there's some, if you go a little bit outside of Indiana, like going towards Evansville, you'll start seeing them a little bit. But yeah, they're not in little. But nonetheless, I don't care. Gas station or not, how good is to drive to Richmond just to go to a gas station slash grocery store? I don't, I don't get that. It's a little too much. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't. I'm, even if the pizza's good, <laughs> I, know, I wouldn't even drive that far just to go get some pizza. Yeah. Uh, so, so this happened, I, I didn't see this until, I guess, about an hour after we got off the air yesterday. Mark Emmert announced that he's stepping down as president of the NCAA, ending a era of just complete ineptitude and yeah. just sucked them. Where, where'd that one come on a Friday news dump, too, isn't it? Because, you know, you can't hide this. Everybody's going to celebrate it. But in true Mark Emmert fashion, he's taking his sweet-ass time with this whole deal. He's going to continue to serve in this role until a new president is selected and in place, or until June 30th, 2023. Um, just, you know. So the retirement was BS. Kind of. He just It's going to drag out because everything with the NCAA has to drag out and be as painful as possible. But this is a guy that nobody is going to be see, sad to see go, except for the people who unanimously approved his contract extension last year somehow. But now what this leads to, I saw a couple of good stories written, like, do we really even need an NCAA president? Which I don't know if the answer is yes or no. Um, but candidates now to replace him. It would be more like a committee, I would think, would be better off, wouldn't it? At this point, just scrap the whole damn thing. I mean, Whoever's going to put our banner back up is who I'm in favor of. I mean, Whatever's going to lead to these asinine rules being taken out of play, that's who I'm in favor of. All right. So there was a the athletic, Nicole Arbach and, and Matt Fortuna, who stay on top of this stuff as, as much as anybody in the business, they had 10 candidates that they put out there. And I don't know why we have to do this whenever there's a, a vacancy in sports that is somewhat controversial. But one of the names on the list it's, it's almost a joke at this point. Condoleezza Rice. I knew you were going to say. Condoleezza Rice. I knew How does this keep going. happening? I knew that's what you were going to say when you said controversial. I was like, it's going to Why say. is she up for every <laughs> position in athletics? And she never gets them besides the Commission on College Basketball, which was a disaster. <laughs> that thing didn't even last, did it? Well, they, they put out these recommendations that were beyond absurd because they had nobody who actually had experience in college basketball wasn't on the committee. Wasn't Grant Hill like the only one athlete on the, on the committee? He was. They had nobody who was in a current participant in college athletics on yeah, the committee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had one guy, Grant Hill being like the one former player, yeah, and then the rest of them were just like, why are you here exactly? <laughs> so the other people who are on this list, Jim Clements, who's the current president of Clemson. Ugh, puke. <laughs> yeah, Clemson. Wasn't that the same school that was just trying to pay Zion? <laughs> Mary Sue Coleman, who is the interim president in Michigan. Yeah, interim. Okay, next. Robert Gates, who's the chancellor at William and Mary, Bill and Mayor. <laughs> next. Chris Howard, who is the Arizona State Enterprise Executive VP slash COO. How is this a real world? How is this? A, the, how is this Can what college athletics has become? Time? <laughs> Linda Livingstone, who is the president of Baylor, next. <laughs> Oliver Luck, next. Next. Mark Murphy, the Green Bay Packers president and CEO. Who I might consider that one. Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner, next. And then finally, Kirk Schultz, who is the president of Washington State. 
Well, Packers, good news and bad news. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, that's the only guy. I'd actually, I mean, yeah. I mean, why? By the way, did you, was last one you said Washington State, right? Yes. Washington State and Baylor, two of the most like corrupt programs in terms of like just scandals galore on and off the field. And just yeah, why don't we just like throw the Ohio State wrestling coach in there? Yeah, I mean seriously, hasn't Washington State led like the universities and arrests off the field for like a decade straight? I just don't. I mean, at the same time, it's it's kind of fitting that you'd have. I mean. Who the like? What other scorned, failed people can we? What's that Scaramucci guy doing from the Trump administration? Get, get, make, make, make Mooch is well, the president of the NCAA. What was our president left us for Tennessee and they went to prison for like embezzlement? Ol- it was not Olson. What was it? Uh, Whatever. Get him in. He's yeah. he's, he's in. I mean, Done. Put his name on the list too. I on mean, the list. He's out for good behavior. I mean, <laughs> I'm surprised George didn't get on the list. At Mark Godfrey. Boom. <laughs> on the list. <laughs> Todd Bozeman. <laughs> At least Bozeman could win. Godfrey was cheating his bleep off everywhere he went and could not. I mean, ineptitude on two fronts. Oh, he Caught was. cheating and sucked while cheating. Okay, listen. In, in, to defend to defend Godfrey. Somehow, Please defend Mark Godfrey right he, now. He, he might not have won with talent, but he never at least had a talent level with Jason Kidd, though. He had Bozeman and Jason Kidd for two years at Cal with Lamont Murray, two lottery picks, by the way, and only he had Dennis Smith Jr. But Dennis and didn't go to the NIT. Okay, hold on. Well, I mean, but you're not. You can't compare Dennis Smith Jr. even in college to Jason Kidd. I mean, not even. That's well, no, not but like not as they would in his freshman year. I would be willing to bet freshman Dennis Smith Jr. was better than freshman Jason Kidd. No, I would. I'd take that bet in a heartbeat. Okay, Dennis Smith, by the way, was the ninth overall pick in the NBA draft. Jason Kidd was second. What was Jason Kidd? What, what did he average his By freshman way, season? Murray, at Cal? Who was also uh, in that class with Jason Kidd went seventh in the draft. So he, they both went before. But again, it was a different era. They played longer in college. Well, they both played two years. Well, Murray played three years. Kidd played two. Jason Kidd averaged thirteen points per game his freshman season at Cal. How yeah. I many assists? What seven? Six. Seven. Dennis Smith averaged eighteen point one points per game and six point two assists per game his freshman season at NC State. Numbers don't always tell the truth. Better than. <laughs> Jason Kidd shot 28% from three his freshman season at Cal. Jason Kidd's still a better player than... 65% from the free throw line. No one would ever take Dennis Smith Jr. The only people who would take Dennis Smith Jr. are like executives for the Knicks over Jason Kidd. Uh, he was better as a freshman than Jason Kidd was. Jason Kidd is a sophomore. Different argument. That was the year they beat Duke in the uh, second round as well. Yeah. Sophomore year. That was a, little, a junior Lamont Murray, too. Didn't they go to – they ended up going to the Sweet 16. Sweet 16, that's where they went, yeah. Who did they lose to? Purdue. Oh, I'm going to be very impressed if you're right about this. I can't find it. It would be 94. No, not, no not yet. 93, 93. No, 94. 94 was – no, no, 94. Duke was – Duke got to the final four in 94. Jason, well, that was – 94 is Jason Kidd's sophomore year is what I'm telling you. Oh, well, maybe it was – Duke lost to Arkansas in the national title game. Yeah, 94. I knew that, yeah. Cal Duke beat Purdue in the lead. Cal eight. got upset by Wisconsin Green Bay in the first round. So it was Jason Kidd's freshman season when, okay. when they made the move. So he was, you know, sucked. So it was not it was ninety three then. Yeah. I had the right year, I just had his wrong class. Okay. Who did they lose to though? Who was uh, your, your guess was Purdue? Well it wasn't Purdue because Purdue well, I was thinking Purdue because but Purdue beat Duke in the or lost to Duke in the lead eight in ninety four. So if it I was need a second guess. Um ninety three. They were in our region. We lost to Indiana. Wasn't in, 
wasn't Indiana. It was who was Arizona, Kansas, Kansas. Cal beat LSU, beat Duke, and then lost to Kansas. Kansas who beat been, Indiana. Kansas would have been the two seed then, right? Correct. Yeah, because because Duke was a three, I believe. Nicely done. Yeah. Um. So anyway, Mark Emmert sucks, and whoever the president, Jason Kidd's go- better than Nolan's and better than Dennis Smith. Well, yeah, <laughs> clearly, and at any age. But I'm saying Mark Godfrey not being able to get to the NIT with a with a Dennis Smith with a top ten draft pick who averaged damn near twenty points and seven assists per game is not exactly a solid reflection on his coaching ability. I mean, neither neither should be head coach, but both I guess are qualified to be president in civil is The bottom line. Dennis Smith, by the way, is my hero from the whole like FBI scandal because he played everybody. Like he, if you go like reading the transcripts, Dennis Smith was like. <laughs> Like it took money from Nike and Adidas, and then went to NC State and like Under Armour school, right? NC State's Under Armour, aren't they? Uh, I have no idea. They may. Be, I think they're actually Adidas. So he took. That's what it is. He took money from Nike. He took money from Under Armour, and then went to an Adidas school with NC State. And then when he got drafted, did not sign with with an did not sign an apparel deal with Adidas. Signed an apparel deal with Under Armour. Like <laughs> my man just got the bag from everybody and spit in their whole faces. Didn't care. Like played one season in Raleigh. They sucked. Hope didn't he, care at all. He saved that money because boy, he was he had that one rookie year on a bad Dallas team because you know. It, Somebody's got to put up points. He also didn't sign with the Adidas agent that was doing all this back channel work for him. Like, he just he fleeced everybody. He's out of league now, isn't he? No. Dennis Smith? Yeah, he's sitting on the, getting paid on the bench for some New he York show. He averaged uh, seven points per game for Portland this year. Oh, well, that explains why Portland God. drastically underachieved. Dallas, he's, yeah, his best season he averaged. He had with, one good year only, his rookie year. Yeah, his first three were good. And after that, he sucked. He was... 15.2 points per game, 13 points per game, 14.7 points per game. Good. Putting up numbers on bad teams. Well, Somebody's got to put up points. It's the Tony Campbell effect. Two years of the Mavs, three years of the Knicks, one year with the Pistons, and then this season with the Trailblazers. Well, that trade, man. That trade. That, that went from what we considered maybe a blockbuster trade with that Nolan Smith. Uh, Nolan Smith. Dennis Smith and uh, uh, what was the guy the Knicks gave him? The big 7'3 dude from Lithuania. Who cares? Yeah, I'm forgetting his name now. Doesn't matter. That was going to be a big trade. Both flamed out and were bad. I watched a little bit of the NBA playoffs last night for the first, actually a lot of bit of the NBA playoffs for the first time last night, and it just Jose Alvarado being like the foil to Chris Paul in a, in an NBA playoff game. Josh Pastor's the kingmaker. Like he's he's clearly the developer, the best developer of NBA talent in the ACC right now. There's no other way around it. The only thing that bugs me, I ha- I was watching a little bit of that game and listening to just, just just drool over. I think it was Reggie was doing the call. Uh, along with whoever else was just drooling over Alvarado and his getting into Chris Paul and, and making him struggle. And I'm thinking, I'm not, I'm not to take away anything from Alvarado, but Chris Paul's 36 years old and he's this guy's 21. I mean, well, I think with what people have been the, the energy level should be there. Chris Paul's 36 years old, people, and he's still playing at a high level, but he's 36 years old. I think what people have been applauding is Chris Paul's doing all the. Chris Paul stuff where he's like clapping in people's face, like elbowing people in the face, and like Herb Jones and Jose Alvarado are giving it right back to him. I'm good, good, which is that. nice to yeah, see. Like the, the video, somebody posted a video which actually got me way more interested in the series because I don't like Chris Paul. Everybody's like, yeah, I, I like the classic Paul. annoyance Chris Paul. I'm like, he's just being a, a D. Like, he's how many how many times does Chris Paul have to punch somebody in the nuts before we realize he's not a nice guy? Like, cool, he does funny commercials and he, he like he looks like a nice guy. He carries himself like he dresses like a nice guy. He's an ass. No, he's, Chris, he's, Chris Paul is never. Punched one person in the crotch. That was he's always, punched like seven people no, in the that crotch. Was Cliff, 
Oh, come on. <laughs> that was clip. Get it right. I love that every time it happens, Julius Hodge is like, I'm the OG. Like, he posts on Twitter about it. He's like, he's like I've been telling you guys. I've been telling you guys for a long time. I remember Julius Hodge. I never thought of him as a, as, as a, as a crotch puncher. He's, no, he's the first guy who got punched in the crotch by Chris oh, Paul. Oh, is that what it was? Okay. And so every time it happens, Julius Hodge is like, been, nice. been telling you guys, just letting you know. My buddy um, from growing up, McCoy, who, who walked on at NC State, was on that team with Julius Hodge. Chris, right? Yeah, and he's like, he was the funniest dude I've ever been around my entire life. And he said, <laughs> and he said the very first time we had like an open practice, when I, when I made the team before we started like the actual practices, like I blocked his shot cleanly, and he called a foul. And I kind of like, he's like, I didn't, he's like, I wasn't going to say anything, but I did kind of like snicker. Like I kind of like, was like, huh. And he goes, he just, he absolutely laid in, like, grabbed me by the jersey, like, pushed me up against the wall, like, people had to break it up. And that's when I realized my place on the totem pole. Like, it was, <laughs> it was McCoy's, like, I've been a star my whole life. Like, I've been, like, the guy on every basketball team I've ever played on. And, yeah, walking on at NC State was a different world. Um, Thornton's text line is 502-414-1450. Uh, Texture says, wouldn't Kaysen, oh, this is a, wouldn't Kaysen Wallace or Livingston start over him? I assume this is about the Baylor Shireman. I don't. I mean, I think Baylor Sharman starts at the three for UK, but who would they say start over him? The, these two freshmen. Oh, I couldn't answer that because I don't know anything about the freshman kid. Sorry. I think the like I I don't know anything about the the Livingston kid. I know that UK fans are high on him, of course, because he's a five star recruit. They should be. But dude. I mean, Casey Wallace is a he's a six four guard. I know that. So they, they, it's it's a different position. He's not going to play the three. Um, the Livingston kid, I don't know. And I think Casey Wallace is really good based on what I've seen. Um, but Shireman's like six seven. 6'6". Six, six. He's more of a three. He's not going to play guard, so I think it's a different position. Texas bad baby doesn't even get naked on OnlyFans and makes that kind of money. She that's doesn't? That's just sad. I mean, that's... $56 million for not getting naked on Only. What are these people asking her to do? What is she doing on OnlyFans? There's, yeah. I'm fascinated by OnlyFans. I don't know anything about it besides... Like, well, my just... understanding is you like get to ask Instagram influencers and like people who are like... Basically, like hot girls that are on social media but yeah, can't get, get naked and do girls, stuff. Yeah. You get to talk to them and then ask them to do stuff. I mean, it's basically like a paid version of chat roulette to me. I mean, it's might as well. I mean, it doesn't sound like that's what it is. Except you don't get the hot girls, you just get the average looking ones on chat roulette. I never did chat roulette. Uh, I just saw the South Park episode where they're like, it's a lot of people. I've never done it, but I've heard, I've just heard stories about it. Um, sure. But so maybe that's why I don't know the right comparison. But yeah, OnlyFans, I don't care. And if she's not going to get, I mean, it's not to sound like a perv or anything, but what's the point? I mean, I don't get it. On top of it, she's not even that good looking to begin with. Fifty-six million dollars too is just an like, absurd amount of money. Uh, Texas, any chance that we get Malachi Smith? I've got no. Did you see he entered the transfer portal today from Chattanooga? Um, I don't know he's playing with him. Yeah, he was the kid. He hit the game-winning shot to send them to the NCAA tournament. Oh, okay. They beat Furman. I remember, I remember the shot. Yeah, I remember seeing that. And he, I mean, he's. He's awesome. Like everybody's going to reach out. I assume if we reached out, because like with all the guys that have been no-brainer, top ten available transfers, we've at least reached out to them. I would assume we will reach out to Malachi Smith. Uh, he's another. I, I don't it know what his. Try, I mean. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what his connection is, but he's six four guard, average twenty points per game last year. He can do a little bit of everything. He's also testing the NBA draft water, so there's no guarantee that he's going to play college basketball. But he, I mean, like Tyrese Hunter, he's a game changer if you're able to get him. The reason we focused more on on Tyrese Hunter than some of these other guys is we know for a fact we're on his short list. He's down to six schools. We're one of them. It seems more plausible. If Malachi Smith cuts his list to you know five or six in the next couple of days and we're on it, yeah, I'm going to be over the moon because he's really, really 
freaking good. Yeah, statistically, um, this is. I mean, he, he started at Wright State and transferred to Chattanooga. Uh-huh. I mean, six four two oh five. I mean, that's like, I mean, perfect numbers you want to see from measurements. I mean, average nineteen, just basically twenty points, nineteen point nine last year. Shot forty percent from three. Shot just under fifty percent from from overall field goal. Fifty two from just two. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's. Yeah, I'll take him in. I'll take him in a heartbeat. SoCon Player of the Year. He's he's very very good. Yeah, I mean, he would also he also would fit the mold of guys that we've talked about having a good chance of landing. Guys that have multiple years of eligibility remaining because he was a, a redshirt sophomore last mm-hmm. year. Technically, has two years of eligibility left. Um, again, you can sell him on. Can't guarantee a tournament next year. Will definitely be a tournament a year from now. And. In the meantime, if you want to play against Duke and North Carolina and Kentucky on national TV and have a whole lot of attention on your program because Kenny Payne's here and we're going to – it's the start of something great, I think that's a pitch that could work. So I hope we make it. Struggled a lot in the Illinois game in the tournament. Probably had not Everybody struggled. struggled in that game. Yeah, I mean, they, they probably win the game if he doesn't shoot over 20, but – He missed the last second shot too. Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah, that's right, he did. I remember he Good luck. talked about – yeah, I do remember that. He, I mean, everybody – that was the – Ugly game. Ugliest game of the tournament yeah, maybe. 54-53. Awful. Remember. Uh, text says if you how do we all this OnlyFans stuff. <laughs> text says if you pay for the premium subscription on OnlyFans, you can put in a special request for the celebrity to put specific things in their butt, uh, or so I hear. Wow. Well, uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> not where I thought that text was going, but okay. I mean, uh, I don't know how to respond to that really. <laughs> That's. <laughs> I mean, you really, I, you really I, enjoyed that. I'm just trying to figure out. I mean, how much? What, what, what level of pay per oil fan gets that request? I'm just curious. Because if I'm an OnlyFan and that's the request from somebody, they're paying me damn more than ten dollars for an OnlyFan subscription. I tell you that much. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> um. Texture says this is actually a good point. Does this hire help us with Oregon transfer Davion Harmon, who entered the portal? Um, Harmon did enter the portal yesterday. He's another guard who was a, a good player, double figure score on a, you know, kind of whatever Oregon team this past year that went to the NIT. Um, averaged 13 points per game two years ago on a, a better Oregon team. I would, I, can't hurt us bringing in some. Yeah, nothing's going to hurt. I mean, you've heard all these, I mean, all these players in the press release that UofL put out from Oregon saying, you know, we've had great relationships with josh he played a huge part in the man i am today all this good stuff and you would assume davian Harmon, if that's the case with with all these oregon players saying all these glowing things about him had a good relationship as well with josh jameson so sure i I, I haven't heard anything about him trimming his list i haven't heard anything about him um you know considering louisville the only thing that i've heard is that he's probably going to texas tech we'll see um I don't know. That's, that's all I can tell you. Davian Harmon from from okay, yeah. Oregon. He started his, at Oklahoma, went to Oregon for the last couple of years, and all I'd heard. I, t- I take it back. He was at Oklahoma for two years and then Oregon last season. All I'd heard about him in the last twenty four hours had been that he's likely going to Texas Tech. Maybe this changes things. We'll see. No. Um, Texas says, "What's the best way to explain why we should be excited about mid major kids transferring to our schools?" I mean, the best way to explain it, I'd say, is Carly Carly Jones, Jones yeah. Damian Lee. I mean, yeah, just I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory. You, I mean, you turn last night's NBA draft. They're the, a, a team that's in the, the or NBA playoffs, team led by a guy like CJ McCollum, who's from Lehigh. 
I mean, we talked about Portland. Got like Damian Lillard from Weber State. I mean, Steph Curry. Steph Curry from Davidson. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's there are some pretty good players that have come out of mid-major schools in recent years, mm-hmm. and also some pretty good players on the best college teams of the last few years who have transferred from mid-major schools to power conference programs. Yeah, I was gonna say Baylor, but, that, but Mitchell was an Auburn transfer, I believe. So that might not fall into the same category. But yeah, I mean, and, and by the way, and the texture goes, oh well, Trevor, your name and your guys are naming these NBA guys. They were they were probably taking the same. No, these are a lot of lottery picks, by the way, as well. And Baylor Shireman. I mean, if you're if you're saying why should we be excited about a guy like that? Duke, Gonzaga, Kentucky, Kansas, like every power program who has a scholarship available is reaching out to these types of players. It's not just because you're putting up big numbers at a place like South Dakota State or, you know, what have you. It doesn't mean that you can't play it. We've, we've seen this time and time and time and time again, that if you can score that at that type of level at a mid-major program, you may not be able to duplicate that at a place like Louisville or Duke or wherever, but you can put up. You can be a damn good player. I mean, hell, Damian Lee did. Like, he put up absurd numbers at yeah. Drexel and put up very similar numbers and was first-team All-ACC at Louisville. Carly Jones was the runner-up for ACC Player of the Year in his only season at Louisville and pretty much single-handedly almost got us to the NCAA tournament. Like, these guys can play. There are players everywhere. Yeah, here's the thing, Texas. Just because they went to small school doesn't mean they're not good. It's just mean somebody missed the boat on the recruiting of them coming out of high school. It happens. Recruiting is not an exact science. And guys develop. I mean, and, this and, is, and in some cases, you're right. You're right. It also the guys develop. Maybe they grow. Who knows? I mean, it's yeah, things happen. I mean, some of our best – think about how instrumental to our relative success that grad transfers from lower schools have been over the years. I mean, Dwayne Sutton came here from UNC Asheville. He yeah. was a pretty damn good player. Kristen Cunningham was the rock behind a team that went from – way off the NCAA tournament path before the season to a seven seed. Where did Cunningham come? I forget now. Sanford. Sanford, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, so it doesn't always work out, uh, but more times than not, we've done well with transfers coming from lower programs. Now, last year was a little bit of a – I mean, hell, the guys who, who didn't work out for us last year, though, were pretty much from power programs. Yeah. Noah Locke was from Florida. Matt Cross was from Miami. West was from, West, was from Marshall. Marshall, which, yeah. It's I mean, still and, a power pop conference. So give it close enough, at least. And then who's the fourth? We had one more. You said Cross, right? Uh, Mason Faulkner. Faulkner was from – he was from – well, he was kind of – All over the place. Yeah, Charleston Southern. Then he went to Colorado. Colorado, yeah. but he didn't actually play for Colorado. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, sometimes it doesn't always work out. But, hey, like they, they still were pretty – they were better than some of the guys that we had that had been in our program for the long haul. So, I, players everywhere. Exactly. That's the point. That's the bottom line. Players everywhere. And that's what Stone Cold said. Texture says, I was really waiting for you to say Jurich was a candidate for the NCAA president. The banner would come back quick. I mean, I jokingly threw his name at the end of your list, too, because I was back to that list. Why not put his name on there? Uh, Texture also says, I mean, how about John Morant? Did you see the dunk last night? I did. That was nasty. Who did he dunk on? Wasn't it, uh, was it Sean Livingston? Not John, not Sean Livingston. <laughs> Sean Livingston uh, might still be in the league for all I know. Who was it? Who Because he, he jumped seven. over the dude. He, now, he didn't jump over on Frank Weiss level, but he pretty he cleared him pretty good. And who was trying to take I mean, trying to take the charge? What are you doing? Well, you know, if it's not a star player, you got to do take one for the team. Who was it on? I, I saw this talked about. I was curious. Yeah, I didn't know. I don't know who's even on the Minnesota ride. It wasn't Towns. I know that. No. Um <sighs> Was it like number seven, I think, maybe, was the number, jersey number? Can you see the jersey number if you're watching it? Uh, Malik Beasley. Sorry, FSU. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I remember the guard, yeah. I that dunk. I mean, I 
as far as like in game dunks are concerned, that's yeah, yeah, a top man, tier. And Malik's a lot smaller. Malik's only like six three, six four. So yeah, that's. Well, I mean, he's bigger than John Morant. What? Yeah, what happened to John Morant? Six six two, six three. Yeah, Malik Beasley is six four. John Morant six two. Okay. I mean, no, I'm not taking away from I mean, like I said, it's not – I mean, the Carter over Weiss is still the most impressive you'll ever see in a game to me. I mean, that was – John Morant also – Frank Weiss also 7-1. My favorite thing about John Morant being this good is I've got a buddy who, when I used to do the college basketball gig, and I would get so excited about certain players and just write about – like, I wrote, I think, like 70 things about John Morant his sophomore season at Murray State. And, I, and my buddy would be like – what, yeah, any mid-major player who scores a whole bunch of points, like Mike's going to have this boner for, and like, sh- shut up, he's not that good. He did the same thing about Trey Young last year. Trey Young's not that good. Like, both those guys ended up just throwing it in his face. And I just every time something like this happens, I'm like, "Web, your thoughts?" And he was like, "Counts the same as a mid-range jumper." I won't. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not impressed. I'm like, this dude's he's incredible. He looks like, like he's Moran. what? I sound like Moran. I think he's a perfect timing. Oh, he's so fun too. I mean, he's, he's cool as hell. I mean, yeah, I just. The timing of his skill set with the way the NBA is played now is it's like a perfect storm for him amongst other guards. But, yeah, I mean, I, I like Morant. The weird thing about him, too, is like he wasn't a superstar right off the bat in college, even at the level of Murray State. Like he – which seems – you know, if you've got a guy who's one of the best players in the NBA and he played at Murray State, you would just kind of assume that he would have been the focal point right off the bat, and he wasn't. They had – um Oh God! Who was the guy who was like the the conference player of the year that season? Um, Jonathan Stark. Like Murray State had this great run of guys who were just really really good. Well, they had the guy before Morant got there, the the Murray kid that was somewhat of a bust, but has had a resurrection in his career. Cameron Payne. Cameron Payne. From, yeah, what did I say? Murray. I was thinking Cameron Payne. I was thinking Cameron Murray for some reason. Yeah, well, <laughs> I played at USC in Louisville. Slightly different games. <laughs> Cameron Payne, who was a bust, but he has somewhat actually developed a little more since. Yeah, he actually gotten a better career. So John Morant's freshman season, even though people were talking about him as a like a fantastic NBA prospect, he was the third leading scorer on Murray State, which wow, is insane. remarkable looking back at year? it. His first, his freshman year. Oh, his freshman year. Okay, okay. And then his sophomore year, I remember there being so Greer texts me and he's like, "What's up with this kid at Murray State?" He's working at the athletic at the time, and they were wanting him to do not just U of L stuff, but branching out to some of the area teams. And he's like, "They're asking me to go to Murray to write a story about this kid. I don't know a whole lot about him." And I'm like, "Dude, he's he's pretty good. I don't know if he's going to be like an NBA guy, but he's pretty damn good." And Greer goes out there, writes a story, goes back there for a follow up in December for a game where Morant has a game winning shot. And I'm like, "This is incredible." And then of course he ends up having this incredible season. It ends up with him having a triple double in the NCAA tournament. Like he was. Just so fun to watch, and I'm still blown away that he's this good in the NBA. He's still fun to watch. I enjoy. I mean, cool as hell. I I think Memphis maybe not as I'm. So I'm a little amazed at a two C, but same. I mean, I think that's more of a team that's that played the regular season differently than a team like an experienced team like a a Golden State who is like, okay, listen, we know the the playoffs, playoff, playoff season and regular season are two completely different animals. They are. And Golden State knows that. Memphis has to pop their chest a little bit and get a 2C, which is fine. Yeah. Uh, let's take a break. When we come back, there's a question to you specifically about the NFL draft, which I know you're itching oh, to talk I about. I love the draft. So we'll get into that. I know draft tomorrow, which I have conveniently forgotten about. You have not. You're you're raring to go. So we'll let you uh, chomp at that bit coming up after the break. Arr, arr. It's the Mike Rutherford Show on 1450 and 96.1 The Big X. Oh, 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 oh,
son of the rain We can be like they are Come on baby Don't fear the reaper Baby take my hand Don't fear the reaper Baby able to fly Don't fear the reaper Baby I'm your man It's a good song Made famous by an SNL skit But still On it's own Standing by itself A good song I would say yeah, I mean, it's, I don't mind it. Did you ever guess today's theme, by the way? A lot of sad songs. <laughs> I, I don't want to say it's just like death, but... <laughs> no, <it's> like that. <laughs> yeah, 42, and you already seen that. I mean, like, crisis is like, supposed to work this way, Trevor. Do we have to have a conversation once we get off the air? <laughs> about what the theme was today? I wonder what my... I haven't... Have I had a midlife crisis yet, really? I mean, I don't know. I mean... Are you poised for one? I mean, I'm at four, I'm at the right age, and like early forties is when you hit it, like late thirties. I mean, you have brought Arby's into the studio now twelve consecutive days. <laughs> Some of that's considered a midlife crisis. Midlife crisis is like now. I, granted, I can't afford to buy a sports car anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but I haven't like tried to like like try to act like cool, like dye my hair, or, like go to a club, or like you know put like a members only shirt on or something. I mean, yeah, like I, I don't know, like. I think I've done the reverse in the last three years. Like since becoming a dad, I fully leaned in just being lame and old. Like I've, I mean, I've been lame and old before I was even a dad. I mean, I, mean, I was too, but I've just I fully embraced. Like I, you know, I used to kind of dress up to do the radio show back in the day because like John would always come from his Wave Three show, so he would wear like a, he had a suit on like every single day, and I would I'd be like I'm at least putting on jeans and like a, a quarter zip or something. And now no. The pandemic changed everything for me. Like I, I'm not going. I'm not leaving the house semi dressed up anymore. I don't think I've dressed up coming into radio show since the day first day I showed up at Cumulus and 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 Douglas Wolverton was there to train me. Like that was the last day. That was I wore it. Anything. You were done. I mean, for the record, I mean, one of the reasons I got into radio, other than I wanted to be in radio, was what other job can you show up and just wear sweatpants and a t shirt because it doesn't no one sees you. It is nice. I mean, that's the whole point of wanting to be in radio. Once we get this YouTube show going, though. Uh, you think it's going to stop me? It's going to change everything. Now, Friday's remote. I'm just saying, there is a chance I might bring it all out. Wow, that sounds horrifying for the <laughs> people who are going to show up for the show. Stay away. It's like a Gallagher show. Stay away from the first row. <laughs> I mean, the theme. We went down a rabbit hole. Any guess? No idea. Other than depression. Zero clue. Do you want to even try to, like... I've, I couldn't even venture a guess. Uh, this, this is easy, too, and you're lame. Yeah. All bands. It's that dude's a band name. Um, I have a color in them. Oh. We've Blue got, Oyster Cult, we've Green got Day. Great White. I don't even know the other ones. So. Simply Red. Yeah. If you, Green Day, Deep Purple, Blue Oyster Cult. Oh, I should, now that you say it, and I should Pink Floyd. It was easy. It Come was on. Easy. I told you my mind's not working wrong. Well. It isn't. Look, I'm a, I'm a father of two. I've <laughs> conquered COVID, yeah. ripping dogs away from possums. Mowing the grass yesterday, just I've got a lot going on. I've got a lot. You and me both. Man. A lot on my mind. A lot happening. I don't have time for music themes. I found out I left the the, the dog that, that you claim I don't love. I found out I left it out all night the other night. Trevor, that's bad. Don't say it. Don't admit that. <laughs> I didn't know it. Did. Now I'm worried about your parental skills. No, I let mine out, and I didn't know she snuck out the doggy door. So I'm getting up to pee at like 6.30 in the morning, and I hear this barking in my backyard. I'm like, huh. <laughs> I don't like that. I don't like hearing that. Don't like hearing that. Well, you won't like hearing the fact that I said, huh, and then went back to bed. <laughs> I don't like hearing that at all. Uh, Texture said, okay, this is the text that I was teasing for the break. Yes. 
Give Trevor, I know you said last week when you were growing up you'd rather watch the NFL draft than go to Thunder. Do you still like watching the draft? I'm asking because the first round is tomorrow, and both the Eagles and the Lions have multiple picks in the first round. They do. We both have two picks. So. I can't confirm Trevor's very excited for Along them. with the Jets and Giants, I believe, as well, have two first-round picks. Um, oh, and the Saints, thanks to us. Uh, I, no, Saints have one. Uh, yes, a short version, yes. I still love the draft. Um Watching the NFL, even I, I was not a fan originally of the moving to Thursday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday thing. Uh, it's grown on me a little bit enough because I love the draft no matter what. I used to love the NBA draft a little bit more and as much, but that has faded unfortunately over the last couple of years with my. I still love lack the NBA draft. Of, I just it doesn't it just doesn't do it for me as much as now the NFL draft though. I can sit down and I stay off Twitter. I hate spoilers. There's one thing I hate more than watching a draft is seeing the spoiler. Run. I love the part of the love of it is just the anticipation of the name being said by said commissioner or deputy commissioner, whatever round you're in. Like that, I love that, that excitement of hearing that name. Like I, I, just, oh, I want to hear it. That's just, I, I hate I hate the people who go on Twitter and like you know and tweet out. I know Wojo got in trouble for this and, and he stopped doing it with the NBA once he joined ESPN and some NFL people do it. Like, he hasn't stopped since. Yeah, like some, he does the whole like Cleveland is focused on picking, you know, Peyton Siva. From, and, there, and there's some he NFL, still spoils it for everybody. Like like the NFL guys, like your Adam Schefter and uh, Schefter and stuff like that, they'll be like four picks ahead of the actual draft. They'll be like, so and so is going to take this guy, so and so is going to take this guy, and it's like, I, that's no. I hate, so I stay completely off social media, uh, and we'll just yeah engulf in this draft. I'm gonna love it. I'm gonna get me. Something good to eat tomorrow. I might, you know what? Hell, I might even go back and get sausages and get some more nachos because I'm in a nacho mood right now, and nothing is more fun than watching draft than maybe eating some nachos. Here's what I don't like about the NFL draft, or what I don't like: the NBA draft. You can well, it goes faster. It's easier too because basketball players. I think it's easier to evaluate their skills. You know, if you're drafting a big man, like what's his frame? Like, is he versatile? Can he shoot? Like all the. The NFL, like, I'm not going to pretend to know the ins and the outs of what makes a left tackle better than another left tackle. No, I no, can't. that's true. And I don't know these guys as well. Like, well, I, that's the big thing for me is I know the college basketball players, but I mean, the Lions have this. The, it's one thing if you're drafting an offensive specialty player, like you can get ex- and trust me, I've seen the Lions draft a wide receiver <laughs> yeah, early in the NFL draft before. Many a times. But if you've got a quarterback or a running back or a wide receiver, you'd be like, hell yeah, let's get this guy. But we're even on the like because we're either going to take this Hutchinson kid from Michigan or the Walker kid from Georgia. It sounds like depending on who Jacksonville takes at one. Yeah, like though they're leaning towards the kid from NC State or possibly Benil from Alabama as well. Oh, they are. I thought they were going to take. The, uh, I thought everything. Everybody's saying they're going to take the Morgan. Who knows? I don't know. I don't, you keep up with it more than I do. You I mean, know. well, it's this is one of those weird drafts where the number one pick is not a given. I mean, maybe if they announce a signing before tomorrow. Well, no, but it, there is there's there's several names that could go number one right now. Yeah, I just I, I keep seeing Walker, the kid from Georgia, pop yeah. up, which means the Lions presumably would take the Hutchinson kid from Michigan, and like I'm sure he's good, but he's a defensive end. Like I can't, I'm not gonna pretend like I'm gonna go and like break down the film of his game. And whoever they take next is probably gonna be like an offensive lineman or somebody else that I've just never. It's just it's it's kind of boring to me. Like I don't I don't I don't know these guys. I don't break them down i don't know the defensive linemen or what makes them it's just i don't know i mean now could i break down uh, that the way that i, I could probably do it in basketball as if i'm ever writing a basketball half time anyway but uh, at least i know what i'm partially what i'm talking about when i if i break down a, a kid coming from college to nba and basketball i mean i may not be able to do that but i know most of these names and, and it helps the fact that i get obsessed with the nfl draft you know, from day one when the season ends and i start reading mock drafts and i fo- and i follow them throughout the season you know there's 
you know, different websites that, that do you know keep these in depth, like your Walter Football Camp and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That that do you know whether you think they're a good job or not with their order, but the, the names they put out there are usually in the same area. And plus, was like when I do Madden in my franchise, I download. I have you know I don't know who he is. God bless him, but there's somebody out there has created every like all players undrafted available like 700 real names of kids that are available in the 22 23 24 and 25 nfl draft you know i mean it's it's insane so I, i'll do that and I, that'll help me kind of uh, that helps me learn people's names and stuff of some that i may not know but i do know now there you go so I, I enjoy it i love it as long as the eagles don't take a a lineman out of baylor who's 28 years old and played one year in one year of college football i i also like i've got no idea at least with with the NBA draft, I feel like I can form an opinion about who's going to be good and who's not. Now, more times than not, I'm wrong, yeah. but I feel like I can make a somewhat educated guess. I'm like, oh, I've watched this guy play. I know what his skill set is. It should translate or it shouldn't translate. With the NFL draft, I've got no idea how I should feel about these picks. Well, I mean, with your odds on basketball, you could probably still give a guess. It's my, your odds of being but right like, are probably still right. But I mean. it's not educated at all. And with the Lions, like, people will tell me this guy's really good, and then I'll watch him play, and I'm like, well, he sucks. And it's been four years. Get rid of him. Like, the Ohio, the kid from Ohio State that we took was ranked, like, dead last in court coverage. He's been banged up, too, really bad. Too. I know, but, like, he's... Early returns aren't great. I know. They're, you're right. They're not. They and everybody told me he was like the, the greatest thing since sliced bread. And I just. Wow. It's coming out. He was pretty highly projected, too. Yeah. I mean, all his stats coming in college were, were pretty impressive. And every time we take an offensive offensive lineman, like yesterday, talking about Ghost or Cheryless, I'm just supposed to assume he's good. And then I watch the lines, offensive line suck every single year. So it's just. It's hard for me to get very excited for this draft unless we were taking like a can't miss surefire Joe Burrow type franchise quarterback with the number one or number two pick, which is not going to happen no. this week. Of course, when the Lions suck so badly that they get the number two pick, there's not a, like, it's like the worst quarterback just, class in draft history. I mean, this draft is, well, yeah, yeah. And this draft also has kind of like a 92 kind of feel where it's like. What a statement. Mo- well, I mean. I have no idea what that means. This draft has a 92 type feel to it. Well, Does anybody listening know what you're talking about? Th- that was a draft where the Colts ironically had the top two picks. And, you know, there was just, there was a one of six or seven guys that could go number one. They end up blowing their load unfortunately and taking steve entman who was not any good Are you allowed to say that? uh and then <laughs> steve entman yeah, I can <laughs> yeah. <say that. laughs> now the second bit they took quentin Coriot, probably i brought allowed to say but uh <laughs> they, yeah that, i mean that, so this is also no, you're gonna love this i'll throw another reference another year this could be referenced to because there's so many guys that could go number one tomorrow you know look back at 1988 when the the, the falcons just wanted to get rid of that pick because they didn't know really who to take and they ended up taking Aubrey Bruce, who thought it would be the next you know, Lawrence Taylor, and he turned out to end up being a tight end for the Raiders three years later. But, I mean, it's, it, that's what makes this draft also fun is there's just and there's multiple ways this could go in any order. And I'm curious to see. I'm hoping the Eagles can get Jamison Williams. Fingers crossed. If they're going to take a, quarter, a wide receiver in the first round, that's who I'm wanting, but I just don't know if he's going to fall to 15. I, I've seen that prediction on the the quick like mock draft things that I've looked at that what, receiver the going James to the Eagles. Williams. Yeah, I just he's been even though he had the injury last year, he's just still supposedly been really impressive in camps. And I mean, wh- whoever pulls the trigger on quarterback or wide receiver first, which is going to be probably around the Jets at ten, who have two picks five and ten, then it's going to be they're going to be like a domino effect because you're going to have him, Wilson, Olive, uh, and then. Um, uh, Drake London, more likely, and then you'll have the kid out of uh, South uh, North Dakota State probably go 
uh, right not too long after that. It's going to be a bunch of wide receivers in the late second half of the first round. All right, now if I asked you best non-actual competition sporting event of the year, I'm talking NBA draft, NFL draft, NCAA tournament selection show, I guess that, that's like World Cup draw, which I know you don't care as much about. Is NFL draft like your top, your can't-miss, non-sports sports event of every calendar year? Uh, it was very close second NBA, but now it is number one. Yeah. Above like the selection show. What? The selection show, come on. Oh, or the BCS selection show or the whatever it is, playoff, <laughs> playoff selection BCS, show now. Bowl day, the bowl announcements. Yeah, I'm going to put it above, yes, wow. slightly above Selection Show. I mean, I love the, the Selection Show's fun only because I'm going to try to dispraise this in, not, in a non-sexual way. Um, Hard to do. <laughs> That's what she said. And you just did not help by saying that. Sorry. <laughs> Didn't mean to. The Selection Show is, is good, but it's also like only lasts like, you know, in this terms, like 30 seconds. Yeah. The draft is like a good like 45-minute marathon. Okay. Does that kind of make sense a little bit? Like the selection show's over in two hours, and, and I know they pushed it that one year to where it was like eight hours long, which did not need to be. Like that was at that point, I'm like ready to fake it and go to bed. But like, <laughs> like I'm like having it at two hours is great and it's fun and it is awesome. But also another point, there are some plays like this year, selection show. Louisville's not even gonna have a chance at it. Eagles almost always are going to be involved in the draft. Yeah, good or bad. I'm also more interested when there are Louisville players involved in the draft, which maybe is why I'm so just whatever about this year's draft. You know, the Lions have two first-round picks and the number two pick. If if the I mean, Louisville's not going to have a single player drafted. Like, we don't have anybody on any sort of big board. And UK, unfortunately, has several players who are going to hear their names called. But whatever. Maybe I, I dropped be... the mouse. Just don't be – got to get down here and get the mouse. Okay, yeah, Trevor's going to – So you keep talking. I'm listening. Just don't be like, where did Trevor go? <laughs> <laughs> I am excited. The one kind of player with local ties who plays a specialty position who I do want to see where he goes is Desmond Ritter. I mean, St. X kid who was a star for the last four, I guess, five seasons at, at St. X. It's as good as it was, as fun as it was to watch him play and as solid as he was for the Bearcats the past couple of seasons. I never watched him and thought bona fide future NFL superstar. It just, he doesn't seem to have that skill set. But a lot of people are saying he could wind up being the the first quarterback taken. People are saying he could be a first-round draft pick. Um, I guess Malik Willis, the kid from Liberty, is the one who's sort of competing That's with him. That's the one I think is a huge bust. I don't – I just – I mean, he was – I think Hal's going to be the best quarterback out of this group. I don't think any of them are going to be good, but whatever. I think whoever's the best is the guy that no one's talked about and is going to be taken in, the, like, the third or fourth round. Well, you're probably right. You're Russell Wilson. It probably it probably will be something like that, but I'm, I hope I hope Des has, has a fantastic career. It's always I'm, good to see local talent yeah. succeed at that level, especially when they played that position. Rooting for him heavily, but I agree with you. I don't see him being an NFL guy, except in Madden World, where the Lions took him in the second round. Because I figured if you can make Cincinnati football winner, you can make the Lions the winner, and he took him in his rookie year to the Super Bowl, but they lost. All right, real quickly, we got two NBA playoff games tonight. I think I've been wrong about every pick that we've made when we've done this. Probably <clears throat> Bulls Bucks. Bucks are looking to end the series. They're up three one. They are twelve and a half point favorites. Do they close the deal tonight? Yes, I think so too. Nuggets Warriors. Warriors lead the series three one as well. They're looking to close it things out. TNT ten o'clock tip. Uh, Warriors eight and a half point favorites. Uh, good news. 
weed is legal in your state, Denver. Bad news. You're going to plenty of time to smoke it because you're going home tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I think so, too. Warriors roll into the, uh, in, into the semifinals. Hey, rolls. Yeah, uh, yeah, well done. All right, we're out of here. We're back tomorrow, 3 o'clock. Everybody enjoy your Wednesday nights. We'll see you guys on Thursday.